Serum Visions is a Magic the Gathering podcast about iterative brewing. Each episode, we work on a project, a deck, strategy, or archetype that we think has room for exploration and brew to the fringes of competitive deck building. In this episode, we give our first takes on the recent Modern Horizons 2 and Forgotten Realms spoilers. After that, we take an international vacation to go explore another format. Arun went deep brewing an Australian Highlander, and it seems like he might like it. Have a sip of your Blink Moth tonic and open your third eye. This is Serum Visions. Welcome to episode 18 of the Serum Visions podcast, coming to you from deep in an artifact foundry in the Forgotten Realms. I am one of your hosts, Brian Madden. Joining me is the foremost expert on the biology of brain-shaped rocks, Arun Singh. How are you, Arun? I'm doing really well. You know, things are still relatively chill. Uh, Everything is going slowly but surely, uh, but emphasis on surely and, you know, just Modern Horizons 2, pretty hype. I mean, yeah, you know, like... It's a little scary because sometimes, you know, Last Modern Horizons 2 had a couple misses, but a whole bunch of hits. But I'm very, I'm very excited for it and I'm very optimistic. And, you know, I hope there will be a lot of brain-shaped rocks that I get to, you know, practice my expertise on. Fantastic. Yeah. I, uh, I can't wait to see your dissertation on the um, structural differences between mind stones and brain stones. Uh, that was always something that I was very interested in. So your research uh, is uh, is very very exciting. Yeah, I should I should I. That's a very good question, and you know I think I think I'll have some good answers. Also joining us is a man who is rumored to have been Ren's first host, Zach Ryle. How are you, Zach? All border fetchlands. <laughs> All border fetchlands. Ah! <laughs> I apologize to anyone's ears, but I completely lost my stuff this week when i mean pretty much out of the blue because i think we could we could all say that within a reasonable adjacency every time that watsi is gonna stream they're like oh it's gonna be a big one exciting stuff you better watch it and then all of a sudden i get this ranting and raving from mordekaiser he's like are you seeing the spoilers Ah! And I was like, oh, sure, uh, let me hop on there and see some spoilers. Huh, whatever. Uh, there were Modern Horizons 2 spoilers. As you mentioned, uh, there were Forgotten Realms spoilers, which is going to be the uh, summer set. And then, old border card frames in Ooh. Modern Horizons 2. They haven't even, there was no time. They knew they were doing this when they released Time Spiral Remastered. They, they did not wait. God bless you, Watsi. Yes, little <laughs> faith. I'm just, we have come a long way from Mark Rosewater answering my question on Blogatog about old frames with saying, oh, well, we can't do those anymore. And then me saying to him, no, 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 no. That's ridiculous. Of course you can do it. You're the company that made it. If people can, <laughs> can, can, if people can mock it up online, you can do it. And it was like, oh, eh, well, yeah, maybe we could. Market research, you know. And it's like, okay, that's not your job. It's not your job to tell the people that, but now we can see, oh my God, is it popular? And 
I just can't. I can't. I can't. And people were like, what cards are you excited about? I'm like, I don't. What? New, there's no new cards anymore. There's just old border fetch lands. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole set now. No, I'm kidding. But uh, we are going to talk about some spoilers, which I'm super, super excited about. But old border fetch lands. It finally. They're fixed. It happened. Ah! I'm, I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. You know, I think the old border fetches look sweet. Uh, I really, I actually do like the extended art ones more. Although my one issue mm. is that like they don't have the allied fetches like that, so I'm kind of. I mean, but th- that's the thing; they will. You know, it's coming. You know, it's mm. coming. Eventually, they're gonna come back full yeah, circle just and do it. Wait for the uh, the summer secret layer drop. I bet you that's where you get them. You can spend uh, you know four hundred dollars to get a, a singleton of each extended border <laughs> fetch. No, yeah. they'll put them in some set eventually. It'll just be like two or three years from now. Anywho. That's that's super exciting. So let's hop into these spoilers because I think especially the first one that, that is listed here and the third one that's listed here. Oh, and the fourth one that's listed here are all worthy of our inspection. As people know, we, we do love some artifact decks. And uh, I've been saying for a long time, Urza, Lord High Artificer, certainly not the most broken card of all time. Very good card. Great card. Love nice him. guy. Always good to me. I mean, he's a mean guy, but he's nice to me. Um, but the problem in modern for the most part, has been how many of the great artifact cards have been banned. All of um, them? When you try to, yeah, when you try <laughs> to construct a deck right now, it's like, well, I've got my Mishra's Baubles, and I've got some Engineered Explosives. Mox Amber, uh, hey, don't you dare bad talk Mox Amber. So that's all the good ones. Wow. And Mox Amber, we're going to talk about a little rules foible here that uh, caused some price spikes that were hilarious uh, because they don't actually work with the thing. But first up, Brainstone. So Brainstone's a one-mana artifact, uncommon from Modern Horizons 2. It has two-mana tap sacrifice Brainstone, and you brainstorm. Draw three cards, put two from your hand on top of your library in any order. So that's exactly the text of the instant brainstorm. That's going to be fantastical. And uh, Aspiring Spike already said he's going to have a week or so, probably, of Bruise with Luris. Jiggy, what do you think of this thing? Oh, I just got to say, the art is amazing. You know, the art... Okay, is... It, so is it, though? Is, that's not what a brain looks like. Mindstone in the art looks more like a brainstone than brainstone does. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like this art. Oh, I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying it doesn't look like a brain, right? Well... It, 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 it feels like to me like one brain. of those things where it's like, ooh, it doesn't look like a human. Oh, look at you. Oh, got him. College em. boy. Got him. <laughs> no, that that's a very clever point. Also, to to that point, I one of the things I kind of like about it is it makes me think like, oh, yeah, but this is like this is like a Mesopotamian artifact that this was like, this was what we thought the brain looked like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is Why? Because every time we saw one, it had been bashed out with a club. <laughs> <laughs> this is the or- origins of phrenology. This is why, like you, yes. yeah, you go feeling the brain lumps. You know, you got to measure the cranium and the forehead size and all that. Yeah, it's. Um, uh, I mean, just the, also the dude looks totally stoned, which is like great. Or the well, it is a stone. The homie, the homie looks totally just like the eyes are just totally Yo. gone. Yeah, yeah, good. Probably maybe sipping on that ink moth tonic. Oh, baby. Um, so next up, we got Diamond Lion. Whoa, we didn't even discuss this. Well, we don't need to. Do we need to? Okay, fine. Discuss. What, what do you? I think it's going to be great. I think it's. Uh, we finally have like if okay. So which is witching well? Yeah. Was uh, uh, always kind of lackluster, and this is certainly not. Um, oh. At all. Oh. It's so reasonably costed. Yeah, I mean, no, so, it's just it's it's just switching all so expensive, dude, and and it costs colored mana. I'm I'm with you. 
Uh, I'm just very excited. I'm definitely going to try this in the Kin and Arayo lists. You know, the big thing. Brainstorm is a crazy powerful effect. Like, it, it's, it's kind mm -hmm. of insane. Uh, and the one of the thing that the Kin and Arayo list has several issues. First of all, without Uro, there's, like, no mana sink and there's nothing really good to, like, bridge you from, you know, like, Kinnan generates mana and Emery puts cards in your yard and Uro was great at requiring mana and eating cards in your yard and it was a beautiful synergy and after the tick we are Uro, you know, now the deck just kind of flounders yeah, but Brainstorm is nice because you have so many legends and so many redundant pieces you get to shuffle them away but also with the Kinnans and Drums and the Moxes, like, you have the mana like, you know, you're not, you're not going to be mana starved so I think those two things, you know, like, I'll definitely be trying it in that and probably in most Urza lists and I'm very, you know, I'm psyched for this it's a you know, it's a sweet design. Like, I'm very excited for the set. Yeah, and it, it it certainly looks not, you know, broken, because the the mana investment is reasonable. You have to have a fetch land to maximize the, the power of Brainstorm. If anyone's not aware, uh, Historic has Brainstorm in it, and it's not a fetch land format, though there are lands that shuffle your own uh, library. Not having a, a density of them is a big, big deal. Um, we have that in Modern, but it's also a very aggressive format, so you, you have to have the right setup to exploit this card. It's not just something that any control deck can jam in and be like, yep, three-mana mm -hmm. Brainstorm, I'm super happy with that one. Yeah, no, yep. they you will most control decks, I don't think they'll be super happy with the three-mana Brainstorm, honestly. No, I don't think so. I mean, the opportunity cost being split up into one and two is kind of nice. Like, you don't actually have to activate it on certain you play it. So we may, we may see that happen. Um, and uh, it, it does give some legs to uh, the card counterbalance, um, perhaps. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, there might be a really frustrating deck with it. I, I do think that it is a very reasonable card. Um, yeah. the, a lot of the takes I've seen is like, oh my god, they printed Brainstorm into Modern, which <laughs> I am going to just like soundly reject. Uh, who who is that? that? I actually... I haven't seen these takes. I've only I've the, I've seen more takes of people calling this card garbage and too expensive and too mana intensive. I've seen less people freaking out. Yeah, it seems to me like I've seen sort of both. Like, there's no there there have been no like um, medium takes. It's like, oh my god, this thing is total garbage. Don't ever play it. Or oh my god, this thing is amazing. I can't believe they printed brainstorm into to modern. Um, I saw some oh. of that in some artifact uh, discords. Um, oh, fair, fair. Well, it's a good thing we're here and able to give a very reasonable take on this. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think that, like, the power of Brainstorm is that it is one mana, right? Um, or or the effect is very powerful, but it is more so because it is at instant speed and only one mana. Not uh, necessarily. I mean, Jace the Mind Sculptor is the most powerful pain Planeswalker because of his Brainstorm effect, and he takes four mana to cast. Right, and he also sees very little play in the format. I mean, except in every single control deck. Sure, but that's still a relatively small, right? Like you can play Jace if you want a brainstorm effect, but a lot of decks don't do that just for the brainstorm effect because it doesn't fit the rest of their game plan. And I think that this is lower opportunity cost, so it will be included in more decks. But I don't think you play this just because you want value right like this isn't brainstorm you don't just auto include it because you're in blue um yeah that's true that that's really i think the the big difference in my mind like yes i think that this is going to fit in lurish shells really well maybe you cut your fourth bobble maybe you cut something else and no, you run a one of bobble well i'm bobble, just saying bobble i think is like so good 
even even if you make it to the late game or uh, even if you're in an uh, aggressive deck if you make it to the late game like this is a great way to manipulate the top of your deck i think that it will fit into a lot of flourish shells i think it'll fit into a lot of other shells i'm really excited for it in decks that play things like mystic forge or bolus's citadel um Mm. being able to like put a bunch of artifacts that are in your hand back on top of your deck to cast or things like that seems really powerful clears lands away um just in general i think it's super sweet but i don't think that it is the same level of like oh well i'm in blue i'm gonna just jam you know four brainstorm that's the start of my list um i don't think that we're gonna see like every list starting with four brainstone um yeah to the point of witching well uh i do want to point out that in some cases i think witching well is actually just as good if not better and the only reason i say that is because in something like a combo deck uh, turn one brainstone, turn two activation, you get to see three cards, right? If you would have also turn one witching well, you've seen two cards. If you don't like either of those, you move to your next turn. You now have uh, seen all of the same three cards, and you still have a turn two play. If you're taking turn two off to brainstone, um, I think that you need to be getting a really good payoff for that, right? Like, I don't, basically, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people are down on Witching Well, but in a lot of cases, I think it's actually a better early play for decks that would want to run it. I mean, I definitely, I agree with your point. My one thing is that every time I put Witching Well in my decks, I'm always pretty sad about it, and, like, it always gets cut from everything. And I want to keep it in, because, like, it's sweet. Like you said, you know, just the scry two nices first especially if you like me you like to run some low land counts and try and guarantee you hit your second land or like maybe you want to find your ren and six and especially if you have urza being able to tap for itself you know like cycle with emery for two cards a turn is like pretty nuts but i'm just i'm just always kind of disappointed with witching well and you know i can't i have a i'm not really able to explain why but you know it was even in the in my initial seven point highlander list and it was one of the first cards that wound up being cut even though you know i was very like academy blue intensive deck it's just and yeah it's i do i think what you're saying makes sense but in my play experience witching will has never really like worked out well for me in in a format like modern where you're so heavily incentivized to have stuff to do with your mana all the time four mana inspiration sitting on a rock that was sitting in play for several turns doing nothing for you it's, it's just not good enough because four mana is a big ask um one of the nice things with brainstone is going to be um, so one of the things in the Velomachus turn stack that you have access to is on turn two, having a split um, of Remand and Growth Spiral as ways to spend your two mana. And having setups where the opportunity cost is very low is really good. Archmage's Charm has become a very popular card because in a single card, when you get to blue, 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 you have the ability to counter your opponent's proactive play or... If they decide to try to, quote, play around you, you just go, okay, end of turn, draw two cards. On the same card. It, it's very, very good. And so Brainstone is going to have that ability with, um, say, Metallic Rebuke. You can play um, Brainstone mm. on one. And then on two, you're like, okay, I've got Metallic Rebuke and I've got a Brainstone. Even if I have to draw one of the two cards that I put back and I shuffle the other one, that's still big game. Um, so, and, and again, that's a pretty slow start for an Urza deck, but in a lot of controlled matchups, that'll be totally acceptable for you. Um, mm, or put, you can spend that two mana on something else. So 
just not having a cost that's as high as four is is just a little tough. Sure. Um, I, I I am I am in full agreement on this. Um, but yeah. I think that that but synergizes synergizes cheaply with Emery, synergizes cheaply with Luris. I, I think we're gonna see a bunch of these cards. And I think just going up on density will be great. Don't cut your bobbles to add brainstones. Don't cut your brainstones to add bobbles. Have both. They, yeah. they, 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 they're good friends. They're going to be great friends together. Can we talk about Diamond Lion? Jiggy, what's Diamond Lion? Oh, yeah. This is probably... Uh, so far, I think... Maybe once we have the full spoilers, we should maybe do a session where you know, we talk about the card that we're most excited to be disappointed oh. about. <laughs> and for me right now, I think that might be Diamond Lion. Uh, so Diamond yeah. Lion is two mana for an artifact creature, cat, meow, meow, two, two. So you got a solid yeah. artifact grizzly bear. Uh, mm-hmm. But it has, well, A, also, I got to mention, they're, they're killing it with the flavor text in this set. Like, it's like, it's it's so good. I, I'm a huge fan of flavor text on magic cards. You know, like Brainstone, one mm-hmm. day, it might provide a flash of insight that turns the tide of battle. Meanwhile, it looks lovely on an end table. You know, just... <laughs> So, so good. Uh, so, Diamond Lion, so we have our 2-2 Grizzly Bear, Meow Meow. But with the funny ability that is technically kind of inaccurate. Uh, it says, tap, discard Correct. your hand, sacrifice lion, sacrifice Diamond Lion, add three mana of any one color, activate only as an instant. And the reason I say slightly inaccurate is that unbeknownst to most people, Lion's Eye Diamond doesn't actually have a tap clause. Correct. You just have to sacrifice it because the Mirage people messed up. But I mean, it wasn't really relevant at the time, right? I yeah. don't think there was any way to give it a tap ability, uh, although there is now. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. You know, I'd love to tap my LED with Urza and then sack it. it just feels yeah. like cheating. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but so this card, you'll notice it does not have haste and it copies Lion's Eye Diamond. I mean, you know, I love it. Uh, you know, clearly. The number one card that goes wee 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 is Echo of Eons, which is exactly looking for this. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, so you have to play it. You have to play your two two on two. Somehow pray that your two two artifact creature that dies to literally everything except Renin Six will survive, and then you get to activate it to pitch your hand to add blue, and then you flash back your Echo. Uh, so you know, I'm gonna be, <laughs> I'm gonna be spending a lot of tickets trying to get this to work. I don't know if it's going to work. Maybe we'll get some sweet new tools, but honestly, oh, I love it. L O V E. I'm I'm all on board. I will be right alongside you, just shoveling my tickets into the incinerator. Um, <laughs> I'll be doing my best to figure out how to give this stupid thing haste. I was just gonna say I love that they are. Um, sort of bringing these like quote-unquote fixed versions of cards into modern Mm -hmm. Um, like clearly this is not lion's eye diamond uh, for all of the reasons that you pointed out but the nostalgia whether it's good or bad the nostalgia gets me and yep 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 um, yep yep yep. if if for no other reason than that and you know the old boarded fetches and things like that i'm already in love with modern horizons too like if this was it Mm -hmm. if, if this is if they were like all right guys that's it it's just old boarded fetches and uh, diamond lion and, and brainstone i'd be like all right let's uh let's go buy a couple boxes <laughs> well we, we have been told there's going to be 42 new to modern reprints um so that we've got more coming yeah sure. i'm super uh, i do okay so kind of actually brainstorming on this card i think actually the best thing you can do with it is goblin engineer put it in your yard and end of your opponent's turn bring it back 
Uh-huh. That's, and then then you can do it on your turn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, you know, maybe maybe we'll be Jeskai. We'll add to Fairy the Fun Raveler because that card is messed up. Or you're going to have Narset for your Echo Beons. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have to. The, the, the one big thing that stops me from having any real um, feeling on this is um, the fact that Mycosynthalatus is banned. Because with Karn, you could theoretically, you know, have this in play and use it as a mana boost to get something really big out of your out of your wishboard, and it's just very difficult to have the full lockout. Although, um, knowledge pool, Karn, Teferi, Narset, like uh, Teferi's puzzle box, all of those things have shown up in lists together. So maybe right. Diamond Lion is able right. to um, work as part of a, a mana engine for that deck with. Maybe with Urza, maybe without Urza. Um, so, so we'll, we'll definitely see. I, I'm very firmly in the camp. This can't possibly be good enough. But when it is, I wouldn't be entirely surprised because free mana is free mana. You know, it's uh, you can get it going pretty quickly. Oh so, yeah, I mean, uh, some someone's gonna have to figure it out. You know, like I will be the one who either figures it out or figures out that you can't figure it out. Ryan and I, we got yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. All right. So next up. Speaking of Urza, we've got Urza's Saga, which is, of course, a saga. Beautiful. Um, let's just really quickly, first of all, Enchantment Land. This is something I've been, uh, quote-unquote, asking for for a long time. Uh, I think I mentioned it on here, and then Jiggy called me crazy for wanting uh, an Enchantment Land set with affinity for enchantments, etc. Yeah, and um, I still call you crazy. I am. I am crazy. Um, but no, uh, Urza Saga is an enchantment land. Here's a part I missed. Subtype Urza's. I missed that. I can't believe I missed that. And it's a saga. So that's hilarious. They put the Urza's subtype on it because it's a land. All right, cool, cool, cool. Um, it's a saga land. So you play it as a land drop, first of all. Um, although if you're looking for through your library for an enchantment to put into play, you can do that. Um, or if you're able to choose any land, you can do that. Um, so it's got uh, Chapter 1, Urza's Saga gains tap, add one colorless mana to your mana pool, um, which I will never stop adding. Uh, chapter 2, Urza's Saga gains two mana, tap, create a zero zero colorless construct uh, artifact creature token with. This creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control. So that's the standard construct that comes with uh, Karn, Scion of Urza, or Urza Lord. AKA, AKA. A Karnstruct. Yes, the Karnstruct, exactly. Karn himself is also a Karnstruct of Urza. Deep. Um, Too deep for me. And then chapter three, search your library for an artifact card with mana cost zero or one. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. So multiple things that I messed up on this. One, chapter one does not go away as this saga continues. It is always able to tap for a colorless. I did not realize that. For some reason, I was like, after chapter one, it's not a land anymore. Uh, and chapter three does put the thing directly onto the battlefield. Now, I did not have a misunderstanding about the other clause, which is search your library for an artifact card with mana cost zero or one. And the reason that it's not one or less is there are a number of things like... Um, Lotus Bloom. Lotus Bloom. Yeah, Lotus Bloom is not fetchable with this because it has a mana cost of null, or it is a non-existent mana cost, which is equal to zero, but is not literally zero. So if something says, do this of a cost of zero, not a converted mana cost of zero or a mana value of zero, 
um, then it is very specifically asking for a card that has the, the Cheerio in the top right corner. Um, and there have been price spikes on cards that do not synergize with this, so do not buy in on those. Yeah, when I think that we should toss this to Brian, as Brian is our Urza progenitor, Urza expert, or like... Brian, Brian knows more about Urza than each of us. As much as we love Urza, Brian is like the OG <laughs> Urza. So Brian, give us all your thoughts on this crazy, this beautiful card. Yeah, so I am ultra hyped for Urza's Saga. Um, I think this is a super sweet space to be designing in. Um, I love the flavor of it. I love the art. Uh, just everything mm -hmm. about this is, is pretty fantastic. As for Urza decks in particular, um, my excitement's actually to like start looking at things that are outside of the like Thopter Sword space a little bit more. Like we've seen, you know, Spike's lists and some of your takes on those lists that are using like the gingerbread cabin and that sort of thing. Um, I really like the idea of going into Teamer. Like this thing is going to be Ren and Six's best friend. Uh, Oof, love it. Yeah, or like Crucible of Worlds. Um, my first thought when I saw this was actually maybe this is what revives Lantern Control. Um, you know, you get a tutor and you get the ability to pump oh. out bodies. Yeah, you have guaranteed uh, turn three lantern, which seems pretty good, uh, or any of the other effects. I, you know, I don't actually know huh. where this wants to be exactly. I don't know if this wants to be an Inerza deck. It feels like it probably, I mean, it, it, it's so versatile. It's a land, right? Like you jam lands into everything. Um, Love lands. Actually, Almost every really. deck has them. <laughs> yeah, um, people have even been talking about it in uh, Amulet Titan. Oh, yeah. Uh, because it's a guaranteed amulet on turn three, um, which, you know, losing a land in that deck's kind of awkward. Not being able to bounce it could be awkward. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's more food for thought. What What is the best existing mana source in Modern that this can fetch? Is it Mox, Mox Amber. Amber? Let's go. Oh. Yeah. Yikes. Is that really it? Um, I mean, in Seven Point Highlander, I'm going to be fetching Mana Crypt. I know that much. Well, sure. but Yeah, but in I'm saying in Modern. Like, obviously in Legacy, this could be something totally different, right? But, um... Like, Chrome Mox is banned. Mox Opal is banned. Uh, Archives Astrolabe is banned. You're just trying to tease me now. You actually wouldn't be able to... Well, I'm not... I'm not I'm not trying to tease you. I'm just like, <laughs> what, know, it, what, like realistically, it, what's the best mana source so that you're not putting yourself horribly behind on tempo? You, is there, you is couldn't there... get Astrolabe with this because Astrolabe is snow. Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm just, it's just one of those things where it's like, you are definitely going behind on tempo on this on modern. So, uh, I mean, you, you're going up in that you get a permanent one mana thing, but you're going down a land. And so... That's my concern about this card in the beginning is like I feel like people are going to be super hyped up testing it, but I just not sure if that's something that can actually work because of that reason. Like going down a mana possibly on the turn that you wanted to be playing Urza or something like that is is maybe not something you can sustain. But that does lead more to well, what if we go in a different direction? What if we do something like Lantern Control where you you can be a little bit lower to the ground, but then this isn't going to be like you're going to lose your mana for casting Ensnaring Bridge, which is usually pretty important for those decks so well time will tell uh, yeah i i think that um you know my two biggest thoughts are a recurring it which you're still going down a land but the other side of that is you can manipulate the counters on this you have things like hex parasite mm. uh soul diviner 
Um, you know, there's oh. a, a, a bunch of different ways that you can just keep keep it around by down ticking the counter. And, you know, something like Soul Diviner, you're now drawing a card off of it as well. Granted, uh, that's delaying the turn that you're, you know, playing all of these things because you can't play the Soul Diviner on two if this is your yeah. first land drop. So, yeah, there's there's some hoops to jump through, but I think that's part of what makes it really interesting. Um, sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. You know, maybe, um, maybe its ultimate just... home isn't actually in a an artifact deck at all but you know i uh, i heard mord talking about how excited he is because this is an enchantment with zero cmc yeah. so in an enig- enigmatic he now has a zero mana cost uh enchantment to sacrifice to go fetch you know one drop creatures so he was talking about being able to play spore frog um <laughs> which <laughs> well he's he's done that before with um night captain or whatever a ranger of eos um mm-hmm. so i yeah again I, this is just one of those cards where it's like it's very very cool but i'm very conservative about what how good i actually think it's gonna be i think um, that's fair yeah i do un, un, okay yeah well, i mean so i do want to mention that uh one reason why i'm very excited for this is that i assume like you know search your library for an artifact with zero or one uh, since this set, you know, has meant for, has a limited, etc., it seems very likely that they put a fair amount of artifacts with CMC zero or one in the set Brainstorm. with mana cost zero or one. Yeah, but like, you know, the one is okay. I'm talking about the zero. You know, like, oh. give me that new Mox, baby. Oh yeah, I don't know if that. <laughs> yeah, maybe bad. it'll be as good as the last new one. Ouch! Hey, I mean, that thing is like twelve dollars now. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> jokes on you. I have three of them that I've never. Well, I don't know. Beta Beta Shiv and Dragon is several hundred dollars. <laughs> fair, All fair. Right. Oh, my got poor Tantalite. <laughs> uh, and then we've got a final spoiler, which is from the uh, Forgotten Realm set, which is Portable Hole, which is adorable. Um, with the A-plus flavor text, they fall for it every time. Um, this is very similar to Glass Casket, or Glasket, as I like to refer to it. It's a white artifact costs a single white pip convert a mana cost of one and uh, when it enters the battlefield exile target non-land permanent an opponent controls with mana value two or less until it leaves the battlefield so this gets rid of amulets this gets rid of renin sixes um this is a a plus removal spell against um uh prowess decks um i think someone said something goofy along the lines of like this is like on thin ice but with more steps and it's like no, it's a very different card. It's got um, less yeah. steps. Let's go. Well, it's got less steps. It's got less like you're not going to get a reality smasher with this, um, which is a big point in the favor of on thin ice. Um, but at the same time, you can get red and sixes. You can get yeah. So as I said, there, there's there's a huge flexibility for this. I think it's going to be a very very reasonable removal spell for uh, any any artifact deck or even just some white decks it's terrifying you have this <laughs> you have on thin ice you have skyclave apparition you're just excellent exiling all of the things like black white stone blade as i'm sure we will get to in the meta discussion has seen a little bit of an uptick um it's been popping off yeah and like this is just one more tool for that deck i i don't know i think this thing is actually nuts uh i'm super excited this may be the one drop artifact that kind of puts wurza back in the spotlight um mm-hmm. you know jeskai is a totally reasonable way to go or four color even and 
this blue-white Thopter Sword. Yep. Mm-hmm. My, my preference recently has been any two-color Thopter Sword deck, either blue-white or blue-black. I think that's the best way to go with it, and I think this really ups your removal game by a yep. ludicrous oh. amount oh, yeah. while giving you an artifact. Like, that's that's big, big, big game for that deck. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm super excited about these, these couple sets coming out because it, it does look like they've found a way to work more playable artifacts in... Um, and that's what Urza needs to get back on his A game. So maybe Urza can get uh, his quarantine fifteen worked off and uh, get back in the gym, buff some constructs up, and uh, get uh, get get his button gear because uh, we're gonna be doing some heavy lifting. Heck yeah! Urza, Urza's been a little depressed ever since they stole his his Mox Opal, and you know he's kind of been sulking in quarantine and gaining fifteen. And you know maybe yeah. maybe this will get him back to the gym. That's right. First they took his opal and his best friend Oko. Then they took the astrolabe. And it's just he's got nothing left, man. Just just hanging out, making thopters with sigh and sighing. He's a he's a broken man. So um, we've got some big big things to talk about in terms of the rest of this episode and i hope everyone has enjoyed this spoiler talk i'm sure we're gonna talk about little bits and pieces as we go along um when they start coming out Uh, i think the next spoiler thing is going to be near our next episode so uh that'll be pretty exciting but this was a a surprise uh early spoiler so that was exciting um so there are three modern challenges to talk about here, um, which I'm going to go over a, l- a little less in-depth than usual, um, just because we've got lots of stuff to talk about. We spent a lot of time on spoilers there. So um, on May the 1st, we, we had a uh, Saturday challenge. Um, this uh, top eight, I'm just going to go over the top eight, although I have notes here of the rest of it for anyone who's interested. Um, so the top eight was Hammer Time, uh, the Ren N6 BTL shift a la Gabriel Nassif. Um, this is the Elvish Reclaimer five-color scapeshift deck, but now without the Reclaimers with Ren N6 instead. Then we had red-green mid-range, or some people call it Ponza in third. Uh, Hammer Time again in fourth. Obosh Whoa. Red in fifth. Uh, a Jund deck with one Bone Crusher and one Valakut Awakening in sixth place. Then we have Freak You Nasty on Velamakis taking turns, and then Omelette Titan with four copies of Field Trip in eighth. So really interesting top eight here. One quick Dig? question: This is the we haven't seen Hammer Time in a while, right? They kind of just like popped up out of nowhere. I haven't even seen in the queues very frequently. Yeah, I mean, they, they again, they've been around. I think if you go and listen to the last episode, they're, they're, like I definitely mention at least one or two copies in most top 32s. Um, but in terms of winning a challenge and, and popping on the top eight multiple copies, yeah, you're right. It, it, it's been slightly absent. Um, and I think that's going to hit my, my overall point. Um, but just a couple more things in this challenge in particular that were worth mentioning. Um, the, the ninth place was Red White Prowess, so uh, you got Lena and Lightscribe and Boros Charm. This is one of the multiple viable versions of that deck that's been around. Um, and then uh, the highest placing Heliod deck was 17th. And then also of note, Umad uh, uh, was in uh, 22nd place with a Grixis uh, Through the Breach uh, deck, this the traditionally blue red. And they've been splashing into literally every other color for different bits and tools and uh, succeeding with all of those. Um, Love their name, you mad bro. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Occasionally, yes. Yes, well, aren't you? Aren't we all? <laughs> um, then we had uh, a, a, a challenge on May 2nd. Um, so this had a first place uh, Amulet Titan. Uh, no field trips in this version. Uh, second place Red Right Prowess. This is the other most popular, most successful version of Red Right Prowess. It's playing uh, Dread Horde Arcanist and the full four mutagenic growth. Spicy. Um, but yeah, no Leonin Light Scribes, no Niv Magus Elemental. Um, but spoiler, in seventh place of this same one was a Niv Magus build um, with Giver of Runes, Kiln Fiend, Assault Strobe, and Ground Rift. Um, but. Uh, third place in this challenge was Heliod Company, so that is their highest finish of the weekend. Um, Dredge in fourth. I hadn't mentioned Dredge yet, so there it is, popping up in fourth. Blue-Red Prowess, fifth place. Uh, Dredge in sixth. And then uh, hopping over that Prowess deck, Rug Breach from Grixisism. So that's uh, with uh, Green Splash in in the uh, Blue-Red Through the Breach deck. Dude's killing it. Yeah, I was going to gotta give a shout-out to Grixisism, our... Uh, yep. faithless family member who has just been killing it recently really has yeah um so grix by the way had the uh heart pounding moment of being the only person who was five and two to make this top eight Woo. and tied with that same record all the way down to 18th place was little old me Hi. Uh, also also playing velomachus turns uh, finishing outside of 16th place while Grixisism top aided with the 5-2 and two record. So this is just the thing that can happen when you have one of those tournaments that's sort of on the edge uh, in terms of the number of participants. Um, Magic is a cruel mistress. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, if there was one more round in the tournament, then it would have been a lot cleaner, um, <clears throat> but that's fine. Uh, nobody wants to play an extra round if they don't have to. So um, kudos to him. And... Um, between us, there were nothing particularly um, of note other than the fact that there was a 10th place Heliod company. So within this challenge, you have a 3rd and 10th place for Heliod. Um, and then there's more uh, Luris BTL. This is the new deck from Aspiring Spike that was uh, really popping off last weekend. So that, that was 13th and 15th uh, was that deck. And there was an Inverter deck in 16th place. So... I want to ask real quick, since Brian, you haven't been able to play too much Magic over these past two weeks, what are your thoughts on this, on the metagame shift, you know, compared to how it was last week when you were playing a little bit more and like you see these challenge results, what are your thoughts about these decks and the metagame in general? Uh, I think it's pretty sweet, I don't know, the uptick in prowess kind of makes me sad, like I was happy that that was a little <laughs> bit on the downshift, um, and now there's like multiple variants, I mean I guess they're kind of always were, but there's yet another variant on top of the existing variants that are still solid the um, good thing for us real quick with these red white variants is that they're much more weak to engineered explosives like and like mm. one one ee can pretty much just like shut them down which is what i which is what i'm like which is what i've noticed and you know as artifact players brian and i always we never leave home without a play set of ees oh yeah um the things that I think are interesting, and you know, we'll see some more of this in, in the next challenge as well. Um, there have been an uptick in these uh, like through the breach style decks, uh, which I think is interesting. And I wonder if that is um, because of Prismari Command. It really seems like that mm. has uh, given some new legs to some strategies that want to be. Um, you know, sacrificing an artifact, making that treasure token has been big. It gives you velocity through your deck, even if it isn't giving you direct card advantage. Um, and so 
and 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 just like having that incidental uh shatter effect or the two damage like it's it's been a pretty powerful card i have managed to get um you know a couple matches in here and there and uh, i actually played some of the velamakis taking turns which utilizes it and i also was playing uh a shape a new deck that's kind of like some of these through the breach lists um and that was also utilizing it and it seems to be like it's it's unassuming and it's not always great but it's kind of always good i want to say i mean i'm never sad to cast it um so that i think was is interesting but i also think it's really interesting that we're seeing these like this resurgence of bring to light lists and i kind of wonder if that is a direct result of valky um you know it seems like the consensus is valky for five mana is pretty solid and so uh, it makes me wonder, like, you know, we didn't see a whole lot of bring to light beforehand. Is Valky what's really pushing it over the edge, or is there something else? Spike seems to, Spike has said a bunch of times that he thinks bring to light Valky is one of the best things you can be doing in the format. Yeah, I mean, and there's a flexibility to it. So one of the things that I've said for a long time is, like, uh, what control decks struggle with in modern is being able to deal with all the different proactive, powerful strategies. Um, Bring to Light being a tutor effect, or uh, War of Invention, or uh, Summoner's Pact, or Eladomri's Call, or just any of these things that are that are tutor effects that let you get powerful hosers, which exist in many, many number in the format. Um, th these give your deck a, a lot of uh, ability to play in this field, and Bring to Light fills that same space. So you can get crumble the dust out of your sideboard. You can get your one of damnation in your main deck. Um, Spike's deck is very thin on tutor targets, but that's actually fine um, because it is a 60-card deck. It does have really good um, interaction, um, both for creatures and for the stack. So usually he's able to manipulate the game into a spot where you can put the Valky into play without fear, or you grab the damnation to host them in the other direction. So... Um, it's definitely a solid deck, and without playing a bunch of nonsense, um, it has a, a good game one um, just by playing the, the good blue spells. If your opponent stumbles, you just start chaining Archmage's Charms and Snapcaster Mages at them. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to see additional shells popping up, you know, just sort of, like you said, the, the, the versatility of being able to grab singletons. And things like that. I wonder if we're just gonna start to see like an increase in maybe five color sort of control lists that lean on bring to light as a way to find you know single tutor targets uh, or you know put Valky into play. What I think we've settled on the three best shells for bring to light for the moment, which is uh, one some kind of four or five color scapeshift deck with usually Dry to the Elysian Grove, Omnath, Ren Six to Fairy. Then you've got the more mid-range version, which is Niv the Light. And then you've got the more mono-blue control version, which is the, the Spike deck, which is essentially a blue-black control deck that is splashing green and then barely splashing red. Um, and I, I think there's there's tweaks on that, but those general shells are, are pretty rock-solid. Um, it's either you decide that you want the combo kill, which is the scape shift. You want to be a hard control deck. That's the, the Valky, Luris, uh, BTL... Uh, deck, or you decide you you want to to uh, which one did I not mention? Scape shift, the combo kill. I, th I think that's probably where it is because we we've seen different versions of these things pop up early in the 
what was it, the call time season right after Valky was uh, nerfed, let's say, uh, the five-color scapeshift deck popped up and everyone thought it was going to be the premier control deck going forward. And then it wasn't. Um, and scapeshift and Valky are both things that we see appearing, but they're not the only options. Um, they, they can be easy to hose um, by something like the Through the Breach deck is a perfect e- example of a deck that is pretty strong against all of these versions. This makes me, you know, like kind of want to go back to the Omnath Stoneforge, like monstrosity list that we've been working on. <laughs> you know, I think Lotus Cobra Bring to Light is, you know, I think that's really powerful. Like Lotus Cobra on turn two, even like, I mean, you know, we, this is going to be a nut draw, but I think it's really relevant to talk about nut draws. You have turn one, Sprawl, turn two, Cobra, Fetch, Teferi, turn three, Bring to Light for like Valky. And like, you know, you're probably in a really good shape. Mm-hmm. Um, my way of attacking these decks has been um, with the, the decks that I've been playing is either Indomitable Creativity or Through the Breach to bring some giant game-ending monster into play. Either um, Velomachus, as, as I was playing with the last couple of weeks, or just recently I was messing around with these Indomitable slash Through the Breach decks where you have both the dwarf transmogrify angle of turning a dwarf token into an Emrakul, or you're also playing Through the Breach with Emrakul, which is just a blast and um the nice thing about these decks is your your play against the very aggressive decks is just put your combo together throw a giant eldrazi at them usually they'll die um if you can get there um and then the control decks you take a sort of tempo role of um just finding an opening where you can jam it through the breach and they have to counter it or something and then you you indomitable into the Emrakul or vice versa and you have the same access to cheap counter magic, mystical disputes, fail summer, th- things of this nature. Yeah, you've um, been you've been really loving your full spaghetti dinners recently, Zach. They're <laughs> delicious. I love pasta. A lot of carbs, but uh, I'm a carboholic. <laughs> Who among us isn't? Right. And then there was uh, a PTQ on the Monday, and I mean the the shocking thing about this one was it was won by a black white white stone blade list sewer baby. So, yeah, kudos to uh, Frisk Ifrasca. Um, Frisky Frasca. Unknown. Yeah, Frisky Frasca, whatever. Yeah, you know, Frisky. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, Un- unknown player as far as I'm aware, um, but uh, came in with this 80-card Urian uh, black-white Stoneblade deck and just stole the whole thing. Uh, and then Blue Black Mill pops up in second place, just just out of nowhere. Every- everything else in this top eight uh, is pretty normal, and ninth place had a black-red mid-range deck. Um, which again has been just totally off off the radar. We've talked about it before. It's just like a four of Blood Moon, Season Pyromancer, Thoughtseize deck. Okay. Um, and the rest of the tournament looks totally normal. Um, but those decks way up there, just uh, really proving that there's a lot of room still for people to find cracks in the metagame, or maybe just play a deck that has a lot of reasonable matchups to an ex- like an extremely high degree. Is there any surprise from anybody that we haven't seen Dredge? Where Where's all the Dredge? It looked like Dredge got really scary there for a second. There was two in one of these top eights, and, and, that, and, that, and that sort of feeds into the narrative that I've been sort of propagating is that what we have now, what we seem to have, and some people called it boring, but I, I don't know what what planet they're from because when you play leagues, it's usually super diverse. And even though it's cutthroat and it's a little feels a little bit maybe like we're back to a ships in the night kind of modern, but something to me says feels more interactive than 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 in previous iterations. 
maybe it's access to things like force negation and sort of cheap interaction for almost every color. Um, but I really like where, where we're at right now. And I think these, these top eights from these three different competitive events really show off the diversity that we are seeing right now. It, it, there's very little repetition. And on any given day, it seems like the Sunday challenge, it was a great day for Dredge. Two of them made the top eight. And then people notice that. And then they go, well, I better bring more dredge hate. Um, the Indomitable Creativity decks were kind of popping off for a little bit. People notice. They start playing differently around it. All of a sudden, those decks become a little less popular. So um, cyclical metagame, uh, which is what we expect of Eternal formats a lot of the time. Yeah, I'm going to kind of second that. I was actually, you know, not. I've been playing too much Modern recently, and I've not been very excited about Modern because I kind of thought, oh, you know, just like boring. And I just was hitting so many of those stupid red decks. It just kind of makes me sick. <laughs> Uh, Every time there's a freaking Swift Spear on turn one, you're like, ugh, again. Yeah, it's just like, well, gonna hopefully game two. My collective brutalities will not get me to Genegrowth. Uh, but I jumped into, I did jump into a league uh, with Lazav, uh, with Lazav Breach, which we'll talk about later. But, you know, is I enjoyed it and like the matchups, like they were good matchups. Like didn't run the same deck twice, you know, just like even, I did run into Blue Red Prowess, but, you know, they didn't have a nutty hand and so I was able to beat them and, I, you know, actually, I enjoyed Modern a lot, and it felt pretty good, which I was honestly surprised, but I wasn't expecting, you know, I was kind of like, oh, I should probably at least do this as, like, a little homework. Uh, but I was, I was pleasantly surprised, and I really enjoyed the format, and I'm definitely going to be playing it some more now. I wonder if we're going to see any prowess hate printed, like, specifically something that stifles, you know, triggers or something, like a, a permanent. I, maybe, I mean, you know, like, deafening silence is, like, good prowess hate. Sure. Chalice no of the Void is pretty freaking good still. I mean, obviously they're all playing red, but it still makes them like they have to have it, and it's 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 not. I, I guess it's we not are, free for them to destroy a chalice. Well, and we uh, well the thing with chalice is like they still sometimes just get it because they get to cast their spells. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But we, I guess I, I, we are seeing Sanctum Prelate, uh, which we did not talk about in the spoilers. That is coming to modern. True. So maybe yeah, that's true, the true. the hate on a permanent that I was thinking of. So is mm -hmm. I actually I want to ask this question real quick. I've seen Sanctum Prelate and Legacy played a little bit, and like it's just always seems so pathetic and lackluster, and like it's never done anything. But like everyone seems to be pretty excited about it, and you know in theory it seems pretty nuts. And you know I say this now, but obviously like Sanctum Prelate for two is gonna totally hose my breach decks, which is gonna suck. Uh, but you know just I've not. In Legacy, I've not really been in, impressed by it. I'm wondering, what are your two thoughts on Sanctum Prelate? If you, you know, if, have you had any experience with it, or do you think it's actually going to be like a really good hate card in Modern? Because I've just always been underwhelmed. With I've loved to see it on the other side of the table because like it never did anything to me, even while I was playing the combo decks. I mean, uh, my my personal experience is is very in line with yours, and. Um, the thing about Legacy is that all the blue decks, you can basically guarantee they're playing at least eight men, one mana spells. Um, so when you when you name one with Sanctum Prelate, you know you're just like shutting down their cantrips, and that they're you're guaranteeing a number of dead draws. Uh, but the mana mm. costs in most spell based decks are much more diverse in Modern. Um, so while it would be like a ten out of ten haymaker in game one to come out of taxes against a prowess deck, you just name one, you shut off half their deck. They may not have a way to remove it after that point, um, mm. since so many of them play like Manamorphose and Boros Charm, like as their only two slots. But mm. um, I like this. 
Right, like but the lot. thing is, does that actually translate to a game win, and what are your costs against the other decks in the metagame? Can you afford to main deck that, or does it have to be a sideboard card? If it is a sideboard card, they're going to be able to bring in things like a Braid, because now they know you're on an Aether Vial deck. Um, so, I mean, I mean, time's going to tell. I think it's not going to be insane, but and maybe it's not even going to be playable. Uh, we got Containment Priest. Lots of people were hyped about that one. Um, and has had largely no impact on, on Modern whatsoever. Um, and this may be another case where there's just little differences between Modern and Legacy. In this case, the um, proliferance of one-mana cantrips that just means that it's just not, not worth doing, um, even though it could be good in a lot of games. Yeah, I think that's really well said. Um, you know, it's obviously not like a free include for most decks, but I think that a couple decks will probably want it in the sideboard. And uh, mm. at three mana, it might just be a little bit too slow for prowess, um, especially well, it's a gray if you're... ogre, right? Like, yeah. Well, and if you're trying to bring it in on the back of an aether vial, you're like turn four at the earliest. That seems yeah. way too slow for prowess. So, yeah. Um, and technically, it's not even gray ogre, right? Because it's got double white in the cost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't really care about that in, in taxes, yeah, yeah. but maybe, maybe in some of the other ones. Is it a human? I uh, bet it is. I believe I think it is, so. yeah. Yeah, okay. So maybe maybe humans, um, because the only thing it hoses out of their deck is Aether Vial. Because for taxes, it shuts off your um, your Path to Exiles. In Legacy, it shuts off your uh, Source to Plowshares. So there's, there's reasons that it sucks to play as well. Um, but, you know, it is also one of those cards, like, it will give taxes maybe a, a, an even more game against uh, Storm. But Storm is not a popular deck right now, and I don't even think taxes actually has a problem in that matchup. So, anyway, I think we're going to need to see it shake out, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't think it's going to be a slam dunk. Um, something that I do think is a slam dunk was the uh, Velomachus Taking Turns deck. I'm just going to mention it in brief here because um, that is what I played in both challenges last weekend. And then uh, I took the lessons learned from that deck, plus playing that deck and some others this week, and played a four-color creative um, uh, creative breach deck in the challenge this weekend yesterday and lost to Grixisism. So um, there is a very, very long, in-depth article about Velomachus taking turns on faithlessbrewing.com, which you can easily Woo! find. Um, did a, a lot of work on that. So I, I think that archetype is not, it's not dead or anything like that. It's not gone. Uh, it's just not particularly good right now with how much blue-red prowess has popped up over the last two weeks. It seemed like that deck was in almost dead uh, a couple weeks back, and uh, everyone was just playing with their new toy of red-white, and then they just seemed to have uh, come fully fully back to blue-red, as I knew lots of people would, because there's lots of big, big fans of that. Um, shout out to, I don't know, at least two-thirds of the Dive Down podcast <laughs> are big fans of that deck. Um, they really, really <laughs> like it. So, um, for me, I'm a little bit more of a fan of Emrakul for the moment, but Velomachus will come back um, in terms of just when the metagame is more ready for it. Can I interest you in a Blightsteel Colossus? <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, I mean, that, that that's a really interesting deck that I'm going to need to take out this week. So Brian is, of course, referring to uh, a Shape a New Gingerbread Cabin Sailor of Memes deck that he was uh, somewhat responsible for maybe partially helping adjacently inspire um and uh shape anew is of course brian's go-to version of transmogrify because then you can get a uh, blightsteel colossus um 
any like what, what, what do you want to say about that deck i mean I, I did have the idea when i was working on the indomitable creativity deck and the guys on faithless brewing mentioned it as well um that gingerbread cabin creating food tokens is a way you could exploit indomitable creativity in a way that's harder for your opponent to interact with much like using creativity on treasure tokens is but indomitable creativity costs red 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 yep. which is Great costing from Watsi, um, but doesn't interact particularly well with having to have three forests in play. So uh, you, of course, being the whack job that you are, knew about Shapenu. Well, I, I can't take all the credit for this one. This was, uh, I was watching your stream. There were people in chat talking about it. I don't remember <laughs> exactly who it was, but I, I can't yeah. claim credit on that one. Um, and yeah, I just kind of slapped something together that was like an amalgamation of the Through the Breach lists you've been playing, the Velimachus turns, and Grixisism's uh, Breach list as well. Um, I actually did not use the Gingerbread Cabins because I didn't want to be so heavy in green. Uh, although I was in green so that I could play um, um, Bring to Light as my copies uh, 5 through 8 of uh, Shape Anew. Um, I was also running Thopter Engineer, which both produces an incidental artifact and gives your artifact creatures haste. And so, you know, Ooh, my sort of like ideal that. curve was, um, you know, turn one something, uh, turn two whatever, turn three you're hitting your Thopter Engineer, turn four you shape a new for your Blightsteel Colossus. Um, and it worked reasonably well. Uh, I think that there's still some tuning on it that needs to happen. Um, I definitely felt like I was not... Uh, I didn't have the artifacts when I had the Shape Anew enough. Um, but I, you know, I had between six and eight sources of artifact makers. So that seems to be like roughly in line with some of these other decks. Uh, although I couldn't fetch for it, which is the big get with the... Uh, the um, mm. Dorver and mine is that it's fetchable. So one question I have about these lists, Brian, is, I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm a sucker for blight steel. It's just like the style points, you know, like the spice, the fun of. It's just so sick. And you know, I thought to engineer to give it haste is I think a really good innovation because you know it's probably number one weakness is <laughs> you have to sit with your 11-11 on the board, but. How, you know, when everything went right, how good was Blightsteel actually ending the game, you know? Just like, did it normally, does one connect enough? Do they have chumpers you have to connect twice? You know, do they have to give them time? What's that? How do you feel Blightsteel acts as just like a win condition in general? Um, so I, I played four matches last night, and uh, I the only deck I actually beat was Burn. Um, the Blightsteel was good when it came out but i found that like all of the other stuff i was doing people were often conceding before i needed to attack with the blight steel so like um you know the deck was playing remand and uh renin six and like at one point uh against burn i had emblemed my renin six and then cast weather the storm like three times in a turn and so like it didn't matter that Justice. i was gonna bust out my blight steel colossus it you know I ended up just killing them because I gained so much life anyway. Um, it was a good blocker, uh, <laughs> but I never had that like curve out with the, the Thopter engineer. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I need more time with the deck. I felt like I was maybe lacking a little bit of interaction. Um, 
the like I said a lot of the other stuff that I was doing like I got Ren and Six emblemed a couple of times and usually that's enough for a concede because like your opponent sees mm-hmm. that you have you know remand in your graveyard or you have lightning bolt in your graveyard and at that point they're just like all right well it doesn't really matter what I do like eventually you know I'm gonna win so I got concedes out of that kind of stuff more so than the blight steel um, I was playing uh, Platinum Empyrean in the sideboard, which was good in the matchups where like you're worried about the life loss. Um, but my primary reason for thinking that Blightsteel might be good is that it fights through Heliod really well, right? Like you're you're doing um, Infect, which is good because it means that their infinite life gain doesn't matter, and uh, it's also good against you know sort of the the mill decks that we aren't really seeing uh, so much of anymore. But you know it gets shuffled back into your library, uh, much like the spaghetti. So yeah, and I also thought we could stay in less colors, although I ended up going in more colors because why not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a modern baby fetch shock. Let's go! Don't you dare steal my fetches. Oh yeah, I was rocking double triumphs and uh, yeah, just like well, Teferi is so good that I want Teferi and Bring to Light is really sweet and acts as extra copies of my Shapenu and it can fetch the Thopter Engineer. So why wouldn't I run Bring to Light? And next thing you know, you're in a four color deck. And I was just thinking last night, we're already in the right four colors. Might as well play Omnath because an Omnath into a Shapenu seems pretty sweet. Oh yeah, so I do kind of on this route, I would do want to mention, I actually ran into Soul Strong in the queues, uh, MTGO Grinder, and they were on a pretty sweet Shapenu lip, sim- similar to what you were talking about with the Shapenus and the Bring to Light. I don't think they were running the Witch's Cottage, I forget what their artifact was, but their, their Shapenu target was our favorite Bolas' Citadel, Ooh, and like yeah. they ran main deck Weathered the Storms, mm-hmm. and... I mean, it was, you know, I can, I think they got there on Twitter, so I'm sure you could ask them for the list, but it was, it was pretty sweet and it was, it was super, it was super cool. You know, it was very, it was sweet. Like, you know, they, they went off once and it was, it was cool to see. They had, I mean, <laughs> it, the deck looked fragile as hell, you know, just like without Shape and Bring to Light, leaving to care of those, like it looked really weak to permission, but when it went off, it was sweet and they definitely had a way to like manipulate the top of their deck. I forget what it was. The uh, so there's all sorts of questions I have about that sort of like what happens when you hit the bring to light with the bolus of citadel you're just paying five life to do nothing maybe you take a turn off or um, you have a way to cantrip yeah I I mean I'm I'm very very interested in hearing how this pans out and I would really like to see the deck construction but uh, that would be my biggest fear is like oof bring to light shape a new oof. You gotta stick with your jiggy wiggy uh, maxim of listen. If it happens, it happens. But <laughs> yep. you just gotta go and win the game. Just go win the game. Stop worrying. You're yeah, worrying. you know, just, just go win. The decks, uh, the decks I like to construct. You know, I like to. I think they all share something in common. Where the play style is that you have to assume you're going to top deck what you need. Hmm, that's been like my you, critical mistake. You play like you're going to top deck what you need when you need it, and you know if you don't, then that's okay. Every deck has a failure rate. Just never ask yourself the question, what if? Just, yes. just come up with a great plan and don't ask yourself the question, what if? What no if my way. one Thassa's Oracle gets... No, stop. You ask the what if. Stop. Yeah, no, no no, cowards here. We block warriors all day long. When you're on combo decks, though, I mean, you know, just like there is a fail rate. Like, for instance, oh, I'm yeah. going to talk briefly. So I 
you know, like I said, you know, kind of as homework, I wanted to do, you know, initially I was going to dono to Doomwake to run Grixis Lizard Breach, which I think I will do next Friday. Uh, you know, Spike is, I love Spike, but he's a little too expensive for my taste. And also, I did a deck tech and he poo pooed on my deck. He said it was sweet, but super fragile and loses to everything. Uh, which, you know, makes me a little sad because it's a pretty sweet deck. And but, Doomwake is also half the price, and I also love Doomwake as a streamer. But did, didn't you say that it's fragile and dies to everything? Uh, no, I mean, I've beaten like recurring Nile spell bombs. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it can lose to a lot of things, no doubt. It does lose to, like, nutty draws, but, you know, I do, like, snap, path, snap, path, snap, snap, path, snap, path is, you know, big frown towns. Uh, but, you know, so, I think I do want to dono to do, and also, I like Doomwake as a streamer. He's really good at going over his lines, and, you know, he just, like, he's a very good attitude and just explains things well, and I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, and so... But, you know, I wanted to I, I wanted to try and take it out myself. And so I gave it a little spin. Uh, you know, I have a pretty... It'll post a list in the show notes. It really doesn't change. The one thing I did kind of want to test is after seeing Dan tweet about Plarg, uh, mm. Dean of Chaos, this is the one red new, uh, essentially, rummager, uh, legendary. And then Dan tweeted about it. Zach mentioned that, oh, yeah, he's seen a red-white taxes list with it, which seems spicy. And then I think Brian mentioned that Contra Ego Eve was trying it in Wurza mm -hmm. uh, as the Amber Nambler. And it's like, okay, you know, just like, I should, you know, I swap out the bottles for Plargs. Like, it's an Amber Nambler. It rummages, which is cool. And actually, it has <laughs> a little bit known to anyone. It has a 5 CMC activated ability. That's 4 colorless red tap. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-land, non-legendary card with CMC 3 or less. And you can cast that without paying its mana cost. So, you know, like, you think best case scenario, you're paying five mana to get three mana, which is, like, medium as hell. But the kind of thing that I thought was pretty interesting is that the Claws non-legendary, uh, non-legendary, non non-land, CMC3 or less, in the Grixis Lazav list, that's Bobble, Thoughtseize, Breach, and Grinding Station. So, you actually have a 50% chance to hit one of your combo pieces, and a 25% chance to hit a Breach. And oftentimes, you know, just like breaches, like you wanna, you wanna find breach. And actually, one of my losses was I was forty cards down. I didn't find a breach, which was like really unfortunate because it actually cost me the trophy. Uh, but Oof. Uh, so I added Plarg and I tested it. I wanted to test it, and I think I was testing it. And you know, like one of my favorite things to do in the evenings is just fire up a League of Magic online and watch Zach stream and make sure I don't run into him ever. <laughs> you know, <guys. laughs> occasionally I, you know, once in a while I'll lose focus. You know, maybe I'll be distracted or maybe I'll just think about something else and I'll accidentally not realize that you repair. And I think it's only happened once a couple months ago. And you know, I try not. To, I try to avoid it now. It, it happened one time. Uh, Mord is more terrified of it because he keeps running into me and getting crushed. Good. <laughs> Gotta crush him. <laughs> teach him. Teach oh. teach our guest host a lesson. That's right. Uh, but so, you know, so I, I fired up a league and I was testing with Plarg. And I think I put it in Zach's chat. Like, you know, like <laughs> firing, like playing Grixis Lobzov, testing Plarg. The deck feels great. Plarg is poo-poo. And like, yep. Plarg was total poo-poo. <laughs> like, as the rummage effect, like, you know, the rummage was not terrible, but, like, every time I had Plarg, it's like, I think I'd probably rather this just be a bob. You know, like, don't, like, get, get my card advantage still. Uh, the one, the other thing is that 
two mana CMC Mox Amber Enablers in the Lizzov Breach deck are actually really valuable because they open up the line of turn two, you know, your two CMC Legend, and then turn three, you can do, you can cast Mox Amber, Grinding Station, Breach, and then just win because the Amber gives you the fourth one you need and then you can loop with Grinding Station. Uh, so, you know, that's actually why Lizzov is pretty cool in that list because Lizzov opens up the, the turn three win two if you have it. The one issue that this runs into is that you act, the, it turns out the legend actually has to be blue or black, so you can either cat float mana to cast Unearth or uh, Emery mm. or uh, not Emery or Thassa's Oracle. You know, like I can like you, if you start looping with the Plarg, which I never did, of course. Like you wind up generating infinite red mana, but you have nothing to do with the red mana because Unearth and Unearth can get back your uh, your Oracle, and you can hard cast the Oracle, but red mana is pretty useless. And, you know, like I'm not gonna add a one of uh, grinding station or chromatic star i thought about but then you know if you add one of chromatic star you still need you need three extra cards in addition to floating all the in addition to everything else you need because you have to escape the chromatic star and then you have to crack it so it and then the final thing is that i never activated the five cmc uh, ability i think i there might have been one or two times where it was correct but I I might have forgotten that plark had a five cmc ability because uh, you know like you never <laughs> never really use it and, you know, the deck is just so mana-hungry. You have Luris, you have Emery. Like, Luris can recur the two CMC things. Emery can recur, like, one CMC things. You have Croxus to escape. You have Lazabs to copy things. You're just, you always have a good way to use your mana. And oftentimes, you know, like, do I want to spin the wheel or do I want to escape Croxa? And it's, <laughs> it's not a very hard question. You probably want to put that big, ba big boy Croxa on the battlefield. Uh, so, and, and I oh, just... Honestly, swinging with two Kroxas, like nothing feels better to me. Like nothing <laughs> feels better. Uh, so overall, I ran a 4-1 in the league. You know, I think I probably could have 5-0 if I played a little tighter. I hadn't played this deck in a while and it's decently complicated. Like there's a whole bunch of small lines. And the big thing is that you need to know when to, you kind of have two, two game plans. Like you have the Lazav uh, Kroxa and then you have the Breach game plan. And they go pretty well together, but they're also kind of disjointed at times. And a big part of the deck is knowing how when to navigate which plan you want to go on. Uh, and I kind of forgot about that. And, you know, I definitely, like, picked the wrong plan a couple times and, you know, uh, say, oh, I'll play this card. It's like, oh, shit, I should have done that one. And uh, so, you know, I might have been able to get the 5 with a little tighter play. But I went 4-1. I beat Jeskai Wars uh, Contra Ego, actually, which was pretty funny because he was also testing Plarg in his build. Uh, so that, that was pretty funny. I beat Blue Red Prowess and I beat Amulet and Jun Death or Jun Death Shadow. I lost a super close one to Mateus uh, on Etron. Uh, game one, I was 40. I had a nutty start. I was 40 cards through my deck. I lurch on the battlefield. I like grinding stage. Like I think I milled myself 15 cards in a single turn because I had lurch on the battlefield and I had Emery and just like a whole bunch of like card draw and everything. And I was I was so many cards down. I did not find the breach. Uh, and then my opponent carned me. So that was pretty brutal. Oof. And then I lost, I won game two and then I lost a, a multi five game three and that was that. And game, uh, so it was pretty, it was pretty sad, you know. I would, I want, I just want to get this list published, you know. I did it once and then Wizards didn't publish it. And now I just want to get it published. And it's just, it's hard to get a 5 0. Like you need a lot of things to go right. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of unfortunate. Uh, but I, you know, I did. I really enjoyed the list and I actually really enjoyed the league, you know, just it didn't feel the list felt strong. sometimes I'll take out, you know, this list and it just feels like everything goes wrong. Like 
I think once again, it's, it's, a good rep, it's a good reminder that there's a lot of variance in Magic. And, you know, just like, like it's not necessarily that the deck is bad. It's just that you have a run of bad luck. And so this time, I had, I had pretty good draws, and it felt good. It felt like I had game and everything. You know, just I didn't get totally stomped by the blue-red prowess deck. I didn't get, you know, the Junda Shadow deck didn't go Thoughtsies, 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 Shadow, Shadow, Hex Drinker. You know, yeah. like that, like, didn't, that didn't happen, so like I had a chance... Uh, and it was so, you know, 4 1. I was really happy with the list, and I'll probably take it out a little bit more. Uh, but sorry, Plarg. No, thank you. Yeah. The, the Grixis Lazav Breach is one of the most um, sharp knife kind of decks that I've ever played. It's quite powerful if you play all the lines to their, to their sort of maximum value, and every little bit counts. Mm-hmm. So um, every time you can get one more spell out in a turn that you don't particularly think is going to be all that important. Well, turns out next turn after you draw your card, you go, man, if I had cast that other spell last turn, I'd be in a really good position for this turn. Um, so it, it does require quite quite a good knowledge of all the ways all the pieces slot together. And so it, it, with, a, with a few reps, you can definitely um, have a reasonable shot with it. And it's uh, kind of interestingly flexible. Um, with with its two plans but as you mentioned just like the usual like i don't know limited mill strategy sometimes you're like oh they're at two and they have five cards in their deck and i can't kill them either way it's like ah so close yeah yeah exactly and it is you know the deck that i have built in paper well mostly built in paper i still need to get the fetches (laughs) which i'm waiting to see you know which pretty fetches should i get but i think I, you know, it is my favorite deck, and, you know, I think if they were a big tournament, if they're a big paper tournament tomorrow, I would, like, modern tournament, I would 100% be on Grixis Lazal Breach. Nice. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and for, for the record, for everyone who's uh, sort of looking forward towards paper play, remember, it's not going to be, like, online play. There There's going to be a lot of randomness um, and a lot of par or subpar decks let's oh, say yeah. oh um, yeah more than you're used to seeing online online it's really easy everyone's got uh you know mtgo traders or or uh, card hoarder accounts or lots and lots of rental accounts and uh, it's much easier to play whatever you want whenever you want it's a fast moving world but paper i mean i don't know half the decks that i've played and done well with in the last little while that uh, if paper play was going on i would have actually bought the cards for but since there's been no paper play i don't all of my decks are, are quite out of date. I don't own a single Triome. <laughs> oh, well, and so May 28th, uh, I think U.S. sanctioned paper play is coming back, which is allowing it, which That's is correct. a good, good reminder to everyone. If you don't have your vaccine, you, sh- I, you know, please, 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 please get it. You know, especially if you want to go play paper magic, I would highly recommend not playing paper magic without a vaccine. But if you get the vaccine, then, you know, I think you can play. I think it would be very safe to play Paper Magic. Uh, so just, yeah. you know, more incentive. I think in the U.S. it's mostly available everywhere. Uh, so, you know, highly, 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 highly recommend. Like, let's get back to the gathering. Like, I'm, you know, I'm I'm very, very psyched to get to play these. You know, like everyone's talking about, oh, this is going to be like hot girl summer, hot girl summer. No, no, no. It's going to be hot jank summer. Oh, yeah. Hot jank summer, baby. Uh, yep. Follow your local guidelines, and um, I had people coming in my stream telling me the vaccine was uh, killing people. I have gone and done a modicum of research and found nothing but fact-checking from good you know, media outlets and scientific establishments that says that is not the case. Um, people in vaccine trials did die. But at a rate that was, you know, approximately equivalent to the people in their age demographic dying. 
the people who have received the vaccine in person, they are, you know, the people who have passed away since that has happened. Guess what? The group of people we chose to prioritize vaccinating was people over the age of 65 and people in high-risk groups. I I don't know. I, I don't want to be insensitive or anything, but the, the, the number of people in that group that have passed away of essentially natural causes has been pretty much on rate. So yep. as far as I understand it, yes, there are potential allergic reactions. Um, things can go slightly wrong for you. So read the forms. Make sure you've got your medication in, in, in line. Talk to your doctor if you think that that's a concern that you have. But honestly... There, I don't think there's any reason to feel nervous about it. And I, I uh, uh, you know, do your own research just because you hear something from somebody. Go go find a document from a real agency that, that t- says one thing or the other. And that's where you should put yourself because uh, th- this is way too important. The uh, And the uh, pandemic is killing a lot more people than any vaccine is likely ever to do. Yeah. A, a couple points there. Um, for people who are worried about side effects, they do usually have a holding period of 15 minutes if you have never had a side effect to a vaccine in the past, where they will just make sure that you're not having any sort of reaction. Uh, right. And then there is a longer 30 minute holding period if you have had a previous uh, reaction to a vaccine, where they will just, you know, s- you sit by and make sure that everything's going according to plan. Um, you know, I, uh, I have a friend who has had, um, bad reactions to vaccines in the past and, um, she did get her vaccine and they kept her for 30 minutes and they checked in on her frequently and, um, everything was totally fine. Uh, the second point is if you are looking forward to paper play, it's really important to get your vaccine. Um, it really upped my 5g cell coverage. Um, so (laughs) I now have direct line to Bill Gates. I get to do Bing searches in my mind. It's really easy to look up hard (laughs) Oracle text. I mean, this vaccine has been absolutely great for my paper play. Um, yeah. There you go. So Dr. Combo recommends that everything is safe and on the level. So uh, go get vaccinated so you can lose to to degeneracy and not lose to the wrong kind of degeneracy, which is um, putting yourself and others at risk due to misinformation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the bad kind of degen. We don't endorse that degeneracy, but we do endorse underworld breach. Yes, exactly. Um, One thing we didn't talk about, and uh, I don't know if we should insert this further up in the episode, but... uh, there's a new to modern reprint, by the way, um, that has caused some people to get their um, undergarments in a bunch. Do you guys know the spell Counterspell? Never heard oh, of yeah, it. Oh, yeah, we can, we can talk about this. Yeah, I guess yeah, probably um, fair. So our listener question from a little while ago um, asked us about reprints like this in Modern Horizons, and one of the ones that I pointed out was Counterspell. Uh, I've made the argument multiple times, but I'll throw it in, uh, in, in, a, in a short form here for anyone who's new. Uh, I think Counterspell is not played enough in Legacy um, for it to be obviously a problem, but Counterspell is one of the most iconic cards that has ever been made in Magic the Gathering. Um, And its power level is totally appropriate for Modern, in my opinion. I do not think that it's going to cause the uh, control archetypes or blue decks in general to get out of control. And I think the tools to gain access to the blue-blue mana cost early in the game uh, may incentivize people to build their mana base in such a way where they're either limited in colors, so they're limited in options and power, either playing two-color decks like blue-white or blue-black, or blue-red, 
Or they're going to stretch their mana base to ensure that they're able to play Counterspell, Archmage's Charm, and Cryptic Command as people already are doing, but leave themselves more vulnerable to things like Blood Moon. Time will tell if that is a healthy shift, um, but I personally believe that this is just a great popular change and that Counterspell can be the sort of premium format, or sorry, Modern can be the premium format for where Counterspell is played, and that that's generally going to be a good thing. I think that is all very true, and I think that if there is an uptick in control, we'll also see some balancing forces in Vile decks and Cavern of Soul decks. So for all of those right. people who lament the fact that Humans is not good right now, wait until Counterspell is <laughs> out, because you know all of those tribal decks basically just got a boost uh, by virtue of the fact that they get around Counterspell. So Amulet Titan? Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, cavern is a messed up magic card it probably shouldn't have been printed honestly yeah, yeah ca cavern's super messed up but uh but again it, it just acts as one of those mitigating forces that that makes sure the counterspell decks don't get out of control and um cavern asks very particular things of you not every deck can just play cavern even if it is playing creatures so yep Yep. All I'm saying um, is that Amulet Titan yeah. shouldn't get to resolve Titan through an array. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, mm. to, to be fair, um, versus one era where they were playing like two or three main decks, same with Etron, I think there's been a lot of push around in other directions where they're not able to do that as much. Um, and Aethergust has helped out a lot. So, um, yep. you know, Modern's done a good job of evolving. So, uh, Brian... What do we got next on the docket? Well, uh, actually, why don't we take a little break so that we have room for that beautiful music. And when we come back, <laughs> we can talk about uh, Arun's uh, Australian vacation. All right, welcome back. Uh, so... Mr. Doctor, the combo. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this format that we are calling Seven Point Hi Highlander or Auslander? Yeah, so I just want to say Zach really wants to push this Auslander thing. Uh, I kind of do prefer Seven Point Highlander, but I'll respect Zach's wishes and do my best to call it Auslander as often as I can. My personal opinion is if you just say Auslander to people, they will ask the follow-up question of what is Auslander, and then you get to explaining it more quickly, rather than saying, it's seven-point Highlander, and they go, well, why would you want three less points in your Canlander deck? Because Canlander is, of course, the most popular competitively played Highlander deck, and is different in many major ways. Fair, 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 fair. So I was informed about Auslander uh, via uh, Faithless Brewing Podcast, and Damon is the Highlander all-star who plays all these Highlander formats, uh, and he talked about this Auslander tournament that he really enjoyed, and so I started looking, and then also mentioned that they are doing a tournament uh, where the first place is a Mox Emerald, and I think there's like duels for second to fourth, and, and uh, the prize support is insane. Like, you know, like, it's a free tournament to enter, enter and the uh, you know, first prize is a Mox Emerald, and even though it's a rarely, it's a fairly niche format, I think the tournament already has like 210 people signed up. So, you know, once again, I know that we've really ever said this, but like, you, if you put good prize support, people will come. You know, just like very, very, very basic. Like, you put in some good prize support, like first wins an Emerald. You know, four thousand plus dollar card, and you know, you have just like 200 plus people, and a lot of them, you know, just like 
MTGO grinders, just like, you know, MTGO teams that are just trying to break the format because relatively underexplored. And honestly, that's kind of what the committee wanted, like the committee behind Seven Point Highlander, like, or Auslander, like, you know, just like, we want to see, like, we want to see if our format can be broken, like, are our points accurate, you know, just how good is it? And so they put up this tournament with a bunch of prizes and a whole bunch of really good players decide to brew in it. And that's the other thing, too, is it's very underexplored. Uh, so, you know, just kind of like a brewer's paradise. I was just going to ask if you could give us a, a quick breakdown of, um, you know, what what makes it different than something like a, a Canlander or, you know, like what, what are the rules? Yeah, definitely. So you have minimum 60 card main deck. So... Uh, you know, pretty much like your standard constructed, f up to 15 card sideboard, still like your constructed, uh, singleton format, uh, you know, basic lands are unlimited, everything else, uh, uh, everything else you get only one of. Uh, he's got the vintage ban list, so you know, dexterity and sub game cards, all that nonsense. And then just similar to Canadian Highlander, uh, you know, if you want to play the busted cards, Lotus, Moxes, Time Walk, Recall, etc., you get seven points. So you can fill your deck with seven points per deck, and each car, each super busted card is pointed between zero, between one and seven points, you know, depending how busted it is. And the points is the you know how much each each card points, how many points each card is, is maintained by a committee that meets regularly and looks at the meta game results and you know just like votes on you know do we need to make these busted cards more or less. So it's really it's a cool system. It's very similar to Canadian Highland. It's pretty much. Canadian Highlander uh, with a diff slightly different points list and less points in total, 60 cards instead of a and six cards instead of 100, and you do get a sideboard, uh, which you know kind of makes it more interesting. Uh, the, you know, it's I've really enjoyed it. It's pretty interesting because like you get to draw your busted cards slightly more often. Like Canadian Highlander is a lot of fun, but you know, in 100 cards, uh, you know. The interesting thing about all these Highlander formats is a very wise person once told me the way to win in your Highlander formats is to draw your points consistently and often. Yeah, this takes a little less weight off of tutors. Um, tutors are nowhere near as gratuitously powerful as they are in the, the 100 card format just because you can more naturally uh, draw or sort of um, filter for, for powerful cards, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, you know, just like you'll, you're going to draw your power more often. Like, for instance, you know, like I think Recall is seven points in Canadian Highlander and it's just such a good card. But out of one in a hundred cards, you know, just like it's very makes it very high variance where, you know, just like if you draw your Recall, it's just a powerful card. You're probably going to win if you cast it. But, you know, you only have one in a hundred. So, like, it's, you know, if it's in the bottom of your deck, you're just never going to see it. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, and I've really been enjoying it. But, you know, it'll be much easier to describe, to talk about this format, if we talk about the points list. So, Zach, do you want to kind of start us off? What do you, what, how, how are these points allocated? Right. Well, um, as we uh, have mentioned, it, it's a seven-point total. Uh, the maximum points that have currently been assigned to cards is five. So there's two cards with the five costs. That's Ancestral Recall and Time Walk. No surprises there. And at four points, we've got Black Lotus and Time Vault. For anyone who's not aware of Time Vault, it's an artifact that costs one mana and uh, causes an infinite turns loop with any number of other cheap cards. Uh, Voltaic Key was the classic, and there's a few other ones that are available. Um, at three points, uh, it's, it's actually funny. You've got, like, most of the Moxes. So Mox Emerald, Jet, Pearl, Ruby, and Sapphire. Imperial Seal, Demonic Tutor. Those are just some of the best tutors ever printed. Soul Ring, 
a vampiric tutor, and then shocking newcomer Thassa's Oracle, everybody's favorite historic staple, ruiner of the pioneer format, Thassa's Oracle. Um, <laughs> then on two points, you've got uh, Channel, which is obviously pretty good. I haven't actually seen uh, any deck that tries to use Channel, although I'm sure we might touch on that when we go into this. There's Dig Through Time, Flash, Mana Crypt, Mind Twist, Mystical Tutor, Oko Thief of Crowns, Protean Hulk, Strip Mine, Tinker, Treasure Cruise, and True Name Nemesis, which really, that's crazy that True Name is two points, but whatever. Um, this is a more <laughs> diverse diverse chunk at uh, two points. Uh, you can see it's all over the place. There's some fast mana, there's Mind Twist for whatever reason, uh, Oko Thief of Crowns, um, uh, Protein Hulk and Flash, which is a, a two-card combo. Uh, Tinker is obviously obscenely powerful in Vintage, and this is, uh, for all intents and purposes, a Vintage format. And then uh, Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time, the super-busted uh, Delve cards. And then we've got the one-pointers. Uh, this is the most exhaustive list, so I'll, I'll try to burn through it um, just because you might want to hear some of the names that are on this list. It's actually... Um, Again, this is one of those things where I enjoy how in-depth the pointing is here compared to Canadian Highlander. It's a lot of times when you read the Canadian Highlander points tier list, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa why, why is this pointed? Why are these things not pointed? Um, this one covers a quite a wide stretch of stuff. So we've got Balance, Birthing Pod, Crop Rotation, Dark Petition, Doomsday, Enlightened Tutor, Fast Bond, Force of Will, Gifts Ungiven, Green Sun Zenith, Hermit Druid, Intuition, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Caracas, Library of Alexandria, Life from the Loam, Limb Duel's Vault, Lutri the Spell Chaser, Mana Drain, Mana Vault, Merchant Scroll, Mishra's Workshop, Mystic Sanctuary, Natural Order, Oath of Druids, Personal Tutor, Sensei's Divining Top, Skull Clamp, Snapcaster Mage, Survival of the Fittest, Tainted Packs, Time Spiral, Time Twister, Talarian Academy, Umezawa's Jite, Underworld Breach, Wasteland, Wishclaw Talisman, Ran 6, and Yagmas will. All right, Mr. Musician, I need you to come up with a song so I can remember all these. Oh, man. <laughs> it's got to be either to the tune of One Week or the Poke Rap. I can get down with that. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a big list. It is a big list. Um, it is definitely difficult to remember. Um, so rather than try to talk about any of these cards or in, in, in the abstract... Um, there is a wonderful website, which I'm currently reading this off of. It's very, very good formatting, very user-friendly. It's 7ph.com.au. This is an Australian site. Um, and uh, in addition to the points list, there are multiple articles and deck lists um, dealing with either specific decks or archetypes. The archetype articles will break down into individual deck primers, and they really have done a great job of sort of onboarding players um, who are familiar with magic in terms of here's all the things you need if you want to just start on your own, and here are things that people have been successful with, with footage and in-depth um, sort of uh, overviews of each of these things. Yeah, the, the website is really well done, and I think you know you can tell that the committee itself just cares a lot about this format, and they put in a lot of effort to make it very easy that if you are interested, you want to get in and learn about the format, the website is a really good way to do it. It's very well put out, like Zach said, good formatting, and you know their Discord too. With they're very friendly, very open, just a very a very positive community that you can tell cares a lot about their format. Let's uh, let's talk through some of the the larger archetypes. Uh, Doctor Combo, do you want to tell us about your favorite archetype? 
Yeah, so I don't know if this is... I actually don't play combo in this format, but, you know, I do I do enjoy watching the combo decks. I do. Need I mean, to... your, your deck is so high synergy, one might uh, accuse you of playing combo. I mean, the previous version was. The new, the new version is, you know, slightly more control, slightly less synergy, but definitely it, you know, it does feel a little bit like a combo deck. I need to give the disclaimer, you know, I'm not an expert on this format, I've just been, you know, playing it for the past two or three months, been doing a lot of tweaking and talking with a lot of people. And so this is, you know, from my, a lot of this is from my perspective being new and, and immersing myself in the format and what I've run into and then doing a little research. So, you know, it's not going to be super thorough, but it is, you know, I think I was initially going to kind of save this for later, but then I remembered that I think some of our list, listeners are going to be playing in this tournament, uh, kind of without any practice or anything and not knowing much about the format. So I hope... Even though it will be open deck list, which is going to be pretty nice to help a lot of people, I'm still going to go over the brief things just so you kind of know like what to expect and kind of maybe how to attack these things that you run into. So seven, so Auslander is actually kind of similar to modern, you know, surprisingly, or maybe of course a little bit more degenerate, but a lot of the pillars and the deck types are pretty similar. So the combo in uh, Auslander is pretty similar to modern combo where you get the sliding scale. Uh, speed and consist of you start with speed and then you like on the left you have consistently on the right so you know you think like neobrand to you know maybe uh even just like blue red breach you know just like blue red breach or like uh the create and donald creativity that zach has been messing with like the much more consistent because always on turn four combo versus the let's have make let's have it on turn one and lose the force of negation uh but it is some pretty cool stuff <clears throat> so the fastest and the most last cannon uh, are Channel Lich's Mirror. And so Zach was saying, I've never seen something use Channel before. And this is the only combo deck that I think uses Channel. It's also the only one that uses Black Lotus. Uh, you know, interestingly, Lotus is not like the one time, the one shot effect is only good for combo decks, not really anything else. And even in combo, you know, four points is a lot. So you really have to justify it. So this deck uses Channel, you know, the two, the green, green, uh, change your life into mana. It plays a bunch of eggs to filter the mana and then also to be able to like use it, like filter the mana, draw through your deck. And then the kind of the goal is to find Lich's Mirror and a bunch of wheels. So Lich's Mirror is a five mana artifact. I think it's from Conflux or a lot. I don't know. It's from something insane. But it reads, if you would lose the game, shuffle you pretty much your whole battlefield and hand everything into your library, you draw seven cards and your life's total becomes 20. So it's like a super, super, super wheel. Uh, but with channel, you can cast channel and then you can put out Lich's Mirror and then you can kill yourself with channel and Lich's Mirror triggers and you get seven new cards and 20 new life and the channel is still active. Whew, spicy. Because it's no, it's an effect. And then you just kind of like... Neat. Yeah, and then your your win conditions are either, you know, just like Storm, like it plays granted, uh, Fae Wish is granted to grab, you know, tender to the sideboard. And also, you just have an Emrakul the Aeon's Torn, because maybe you have 35 mana and 35 life, and you just want to hard cast that, that's Spaghetti Daddy. And that is totally kosher. Uh, of course, you know, you pay the price. There's I think there's very, these lists play very little, maybe only like two to four interaction spells. Uh, so they're very last cannon-y. Uh, so that's kind of like this is this is the neo brand equivalent uh, in seven point Highlander, and you're probably gonna run into this at least once because you know it's a very well established, very powerful deck that you know it can get you if you're not prepared. If you are prepared, it's not gonna get you. So keep that in mind. Uh, there is a non Lotus Storm variant, which is probably like one half a turn to two turns slower, 
uh, and only slightly more resilient. And you can just imagine jamming every storm card in a deck, like every single one of Ritual, just like every single tutor you can that's not pointed, Breach, Lion's Eye Diamond, Wheel of Fortune, the wheels, etc. And you wind up with something with this storm deck, which I faced a couple times. You know, when it goes off, it's beautiful and it feels unbeatable. Uh, I was actually like really concerned because the first time I played it, it just like slaughtered me, just like crazy beautiful, just like sequences. It's just like, damn, this deck looks unbeatable. Then we did a rematch and it just kind of floundered. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I'm gonna be okay. Like they just had they just had nutty draws, which is you know something that I worry about sometimes. Like the uh, uh, saying goes, "Live by the storm, die by the storm." Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then moving along the spectrum, there's also a reanimator list. Uh, which is, you know, really powerful. The reanimator list is really good at putting a fatty on into play on turn two or turn three. You, you just don't always get to choose what that fatty is, you know? Like, it's <laughs> when you play a bunch of singletons, like, if you're lucky, you get Gristlebrand. You know, if you're lucky, you maybe uh, Sorry of Insanity, that's a nutty one. So, you know, sometimes you only get Ashen Rider, which is solid, but it's beatable. So, the, you know, I think the, like, moving along the spectrum, this is probably, like, middle-of-the-road combo where... You're more val you're more weak to graveyard hate, but like you're more consistent. You got a little bit more protection, and you know if you face an aggro deck, you're just gonna stomp them to the ground, uh, which is pretty solid. And then kind of moving along, I'd say like probably one of the most powerful combo decks, and probably one that you can run into a lot, is uh, like Soul Herder board Birthing Pot. Essentially, like it's pretty similar to the modern Soul Herder, except instead of Time Warp, you get Time Walk. And let me tell you, Time Walk costing two mana. It's a lot better than Time Warp costing five. Like there's a so reason what? that there's a You're reason crazy. that Time Walk is five points, the same as Recall, which is more than Lotus in this format. And it's especially, you know, it's especially pretty dangerous and scary because uh, the Spellseeker just kind of gets your whole combo. So you play Spellseeker, grab Ephemerate, Ephemerate your Spellseeker, grab Time Walk, cast Time Walk, and then you just find your Eternal Witness, and that's game over. Uh, so this is, Neat. you know, I think this and it plays Birthing Pot too is a kind of like with a whole bunch of like value creatures. It's, it's very similar to Soul Herder in Modern, I would say. Uh, but it, it's a very powerful deck that kind of went out of nowhere and just very resilient. And I would expect a fair amount of this too. And this is, you know, the it's a little bit slower for a combo deck, but it's also very resilient. And you have a, a decent plan B of beating down with like some, some weak creatures that have some, some good stats. So that's it. From my understanding of the combo archetypes, I definitely expect to see a lot of it. I think, you know, like, combo's fun and time walk is fun, especially online where you don't have to buy a time walk. You can just have a time walk. Uh, let's also not forget, have to look at your opponent sitting there dejectedly as you continually take turns. As, yeah. uh, I, I don't know how, how good I would feel about doing that in paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you know, uh, rule 104, whatever. Scoop at any yes. time. Yeah, that's right. And then there's one more combo deck. I actually haven't seen many of these, but these are the Time Vault decks that, you know, as Zach was alluding to, Time Vault is probably the most busted artifact ever printed, like straight up. Uh, and, you know, like Time Vault plus Voltaic Key is just literally win on the spot with two cards uh, with like that almost nothing interacts with. So there are Time Vault decks out there. I haven't seen them, but I am ready to get crushed by one if I, if I see it. Uh, so that's it for the combo that I run into. The aggro is kind of interesting. There's really two types of aggro decks that I've seen. Uh, all In order to keep up with all the other busted things, the aggro decks play acceleration, usually in the form of moxes. Uh, the mox-based aggro has actually looked pretty weak. I've tested 
I tested against with it and against it. I initially started with Anaya Zulis. That was that looked pretty uh, pretty strong, you know, just like Kurt Ape, Loam Line, etc. All the good stuff with Moctas. You just kind of like, you know, go back to like 1997 where you're just literally playing a zoo deck with Moxes. Uh, <laughs> I did. I know it just felt so weak to me. Like the finishing power. I mean, if something like that looks weak for like Pioneer to me, <laughs> then I don't. I don't know what business it has in this format, but I mean, there are things like price of progress. There are mm-hmm. things like um, fire blast. There are things like okay, so okay, the the creatures may not be like crazy something home to write home about, but there are some spells that really close out a game in a hurry. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, that 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 probably make that more viable, right? Yeah, definitely. I think that's a good point that you know, like this. I don't think this list actually played price to progress because it was three colors, and your your mana base mm. is going to be pretty wonky. And so that, yourself, yeah. yeah, that could be one reason why. But you know, I tried it. It looked sweet. You know, like who doesn't want to go turn one Curdape Loam Line and just beat their face <laughs> in? You know, back in the good old days. But it just it felt weak, and like it didn't have the finishing power, and you know, yeah. just like no way to deal with Uro and just rough. Like, you know, no way to deal with a lot of things. It was a little rough. Uh, I faced some... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask, am I crazy to think that, like, maybe some of these creatures just... Like, okay, so let's say you get out an Akadol and a Lone Lion and even a Curd Ape on turn one because you dropped a bunch of mocks. Like, you don't have the land spread yet to have them all beefed up, right? And so you're, like, really relying on making sure you get your land types to, to get all of the creatures beefed up. Otherwise, you've got kind of, like, dinky 1-1s and 2-2s. So. Yeah, but it's pretty, you know, like, all you need is essentially a, a temple or not the, the savanna, you know, beefs up your loam line and your curly. Yeah. yeah. So like, it was pretty easy to get them beefed up, but, you know, it's just... You know, you have a whole bunch of, you know, you play out your two threes and anything, they have something that's like an X3 or an X4. If you don't have the bolt, you're just kind of stuck. And mm-hmm. then the other decks can kind of stabilize. So it was, you know, I was very unimpressed with it. I've also run into a bunch of like these red and red black mox decks in the queues. The red black one is interesting because like everything has haste. And you also get cards like Dark Confidant and like there's a whole bunch of like incidental draw creatures in black. So that was actually pretty cool. Uh, you know, it seemed much scarier than other ones. And I've definitely been goldfished <laughs> on turn three a couple of times by these decks due to all their hasty threats and some mock starts. Uh, but without the mock starts, they're pretty lackluster. You know, even with them, they're a little weak. Uh, the other kind of version of aggro decks that I've seen are kind of like the quote unquote, the big stompy ones, where instead of putting their points in mocks, they just kind of go ham into crypt sol- mana crypt, soul ring, uh, mana vault and skull clamp. So that's seven points right there. And I think these decks are really, really, really strong. Uh, I've my I've been testing with uh, a, with the testing partner and just like I, you know, I think this is probably the best red deck and the best aggro deck that I've faced. Uh, it's, you know, just like turn two. They're pretty clunky because, uh, you know, they're with these tiny, these stompy shells, they focus a lot on their three, four and five drops with only minimal one and two, you know, like Goblin Guide. Uh, you know, Eidolons, only the really busted one and two drops, and everything else just kind of the threes. So you do have to mulligan a lot. Like, you know, if you, you, you'll wind up with a hand that has no acceleration, a whole bunch of three drops, that's a mulligan. But, you know, like, turn one, Goblin Rabble Master, turn two, Reality Smasher, even on a multi five, you're probably going to get that game. Like, it's just that they, the game just ends super quick. Uh, so the red one, I think, is really strong. Uh, I've actually... I. Been, I've been testing a lot with it just because I think it's such a strong deck and, you know, good to know how to play against it. There's also a white one that is also really terrifying where the white one essentially like stompy taxes where you have the same uh, 
you know, you have the same kind of point spread into Crypt, Solring, Vault, and Skull Clamp. Or maybe instead of Skull Clamp, they play Wasteland. Uh, but, you know, you have, like, all the taxing effects. Affects Thalia, you have Glowrider, you have Archon of Ameria. It's like all these things. You still have your, your Eldrazi's, your Solrings, your Dot Nazi, your Reality Smashers. And they just, you know, they're fast. They have big beatdown threats. They're taxing you. They're, you know, they're... I think these are the better aggro decks. Like, I'm not... The, the Lord of the Ground ones have not been super impressive, but the red and the white ones, you know, like, I started playing the red... I started testing with the red deck because I faced it on the... I faced it in a... Uh, you know, just, like, testing in the Discord, and it got... They just stomped me. It was just, like... It was pretty rough. And then I saw the white one, uh, just... I was absolutely crushed. This was with the old version, and this was what kind of encouraged me to switch versions... Where just you, know, you need interaction. Just like these aggro decks are so strong, they have such powerful creatures. They have so much mana acceleration. You know, like if they go turn one glow rider and you don't have a removal spell, like you're gonna be in a world of hurt. Freaking glow rider. Yeah, I know. Right, that's what I love about singleton formats. Is like you gotta dig a little deep. You gotta dig pretty deep and get those cards that I haven't seen play in forever. Yeah, I don't remember if that's Legions or Scourge, but it's like yep. just one of those cards that I'm like, I remember that name. Glowrider but, is the OG Thalia. Yeah, what is it? Uh, one and is it is it three mana? Yeah, it two is. and a white for a two one. Two and a white. Yeah, and it, non-creature spells cost one more to play with a really wonderful piece of art by one of my favorite artists, Scott M. Fisher. Yeah, so this so you know the aggro decks. If you wind up facing up. A uh, low to ground aggro deck in the tournament, you know, definitely keep that in mind. Don't be, you just want to survive. And, you know, if you, if you can get them to the late game, their late game is terrible. Uh, if you face a big stompy aggro deck, best of luck to you. They're pretty brutal. <laughs> well, and like Skull Clamp <laughs> does, it's got, it's got to give all of these decks some level of play, right? Oh, yeah, because like the, the red deck, you know, plays Goblin Rabble Master. It plays that other, the like the kind of like the the weak copy of Rabble Master. It plays Krenko, which makes one. It just has a whole bunch of ways to make one ones that you just sack to your Skull Clamp and you just draw a whole bunch of cards as you just like draw more nutsos. It's uh, you know, mm. aggro, Mana Vault, Soul Ring, uh, Mana Crypt. Those are some hell mad magic cards, and you know, from a bygone era when those cards are messed up, like they are really messed up. It is crazy how good they are. Uh, and then, so that's it for the aggro decks I've encountered. The mid-range, I won't spend too much time on because, you know, I don't think it's particularly interesting. Uh, you can, you know, mid-range is very base. It's pretty basic where you just play all the busted cards in the colors that you're choosing. A lot of the mid-range decks and the more scary ones I see are like four to five colors where, you know, just everything, like what are the good spells? Put them in my deck, you know, like Teferi, Leovold, Renin 6, Oko, Dak, Phaeton, Bolt, STP, Yada yada yada, yuda yuda yuda, you know, like often like Bloodbraid Elf, sometimes, uh, you know, like Brazen Borrower, uh, Bone Crusher Giant, just like every single good two for one you can imagine, just stick it in your deck, you know. Uh, the mid range, focal mid range decks are slightly interesting because I think they, they take advantage of these pointed formats where if you can kind of like, you know, the points change based on how it's doing well, like they're not, you know, it's not going to be 100% accurate. And if you can find a way to, like, find the cards that are, you know, might be pointed down the road and should be pointed but are not pointed, and you put those in your deck, you know, technically you're playing more points than your opponents. So, you know, like, Teferi, the Fun Raveler, is not pointed, even though, like, I think he's on the watch list. Probably should be pointed. I hate that card. Uh, Leobold <laughs> also is, like, pretty busted, pretty messed up. So, like, these four-color mm -hmm. mid-range decks kind of take advantage of that, uh, 
that concept where you can fit in all the good cards that might be pointed down the road and maybe you could argue should be pointed now. Uh, but because they're not, you kind of get more points. Uh, you know, they're, they're not interesting, but they're incredibly strong. And I would expect to see many, many, many of them in the tournament because <laughs> who doesn't want to play all these fun busted cards, you know? Like, why not? Just, just a cool pile of sort of interchangeable, powerful hate effects and, uh, and value. Yep. Yeah, that, that, is, that is these mid-range decks. Uh, and cool. then similar, so, you know, once again, like, it's actually kind of funny how much the meta kind of resembles modern in one sense. Uh, but there are big mana strategies. These are, uh, interestingly, they're actually pretty different than, like, you know, big mana in modern is Tron and Amulet, I would say. But most big mana in, uh, in uh, Auslander revolves around Tlerian Academy. And let me just tell you, Tlerian Academy might be my new favorite magic card. It's a pretty good magic card. It is insane. Like, what? Like, bananas. Like, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, so most of the big mana decks are based around Tlerian Academy. This is the Urza's, uh, Urza Saga, Cycle Land, Tap, Add a Blue for every artifact you control. Uh, you know, just absolutely insane card. Like, I'm just nuts. Just, you know, I can't say how nuts this is. Uh, I can't believe you used to be able to play this in like more than one copy. Uh, you but still can. If what? you play, if you well, I guess not more than one copy, but you could play Storm the Vault. Ah, ah, ah. I mean, <laughs> don't tempt me with a good time, Brian. <laughs> I've looked at that card so many times and been like, uh, how do we make this work? We don't. I, I, the answer is I totally. We don't. <laughs> I totally keep it it's, outside your deck. That's the most fun that <laughs> sucker is gonna get. Is it is it like six mana to cast or is it four? No, it's only four. four um, but it it triggers based on creatures you control dealing damage to opponents, and then it creates treasures. And then if you have the fifth one generate, then you get to flip it. I think you only need five artifacts on your end step. So if you have artifacts, it will flip. Okay, but. It's is still it is it artifacts mana. though, or is it treasures? Because no, I feel it's, like it's, it's not. artifacts. I think. Let's, let's uh, find okay, out. Okay. Well. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Exactly. Time to look up. Open the vaults, because that's the kind of day it is. Storm the vault. Yeah. Storm the vault. So at the beginning of your end step, if you control, yeah, five or more artifacts. All right. So four mana legendary enchantment that EOT will flip into a uh, Talarian Academy. Oh, I mean. I mean. Talarian Academy is pretty messed up, honestly, not gonna lie. Like, maybe maybe I will make some bad decisions. You, you might I, have inspired me. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm out. No way. <laughs> Hell no. That's fair. Listen, you guys can try to hit five artifacts. I'm just gonna turn one or two of them into uh, Emrakul and be, be on my merry way, alright? Yeah, Fine. that's that's fair. So, Fine. okay, so, tangent aside, Talarian Academy, very messed up magic card. Uh, for these oh, yeah. for these big mana decks, mono blue is the most prominent. You know, I think the best analog to it is the mono blue Urza Echo Stompy and Legacy, uh, where they're incredibly strong. They you know Academy just has busted starts. Just like you know you have like Academy Mana Crypt, another free artifact, and that's like four mana right there. Then you just like just you know it's insane. I've seen like seven eight mana on turn one, turn two. It's just it it is mind boggling. Uh, the one. And then they play a whole bunch of, you know, wheel effects, narsets, etc. to kind of like make the wheel effects unsymmetrical to keep stocked up. You know, the one, once again, the kind of thing with these decks is similar, similar to a lot of our old Kinnon uh, Erosa shells, is that they are a lot of fluff. 
So it's very easy to draw hands with. All payoffs, no ramp, or all ramp and no payoffs. Uh, the big thing, and I think one of the most interesting things, is that they're very soft collector oof, uh, which is the best way to, uh, you know, attack these decks. I've had like starts where I've cast turn, I've gone turn one Theron Academy into Karn the Great Creator, and I've lost those games because they would go turn two collector oof. Like I can, like it's just crazy. Even like these decks are so powerful, their busted starts can still can still be shut down significantly. Uh, I, you know, Academy actually used to be a two-point card in the Highlander format, which I think makes much more sense uh, because, you know, it, it's just disgusting. Like, it, it is insane what it can do. Uh, but Oof, when after Oof was printed, like, all the artifact decks kind of died because now everyone, you know, every green, every deck with Green Sun Zenith gets to play it for free in their main deck, and ev literally every green deck with that artifact has it in their side and you a whole bunch of cantrips. So any, if, if I play, I play an Academy deck that's slightly different, but Anytime there is green on the other side of the table, my first thought is how can I make sure I have a way to deal with Collector Oof? Like that is like my number one priority in these matchups is make sure Oof dies if it hits or doesn't hit. You know, they're both fine with me, mm. but do not let that Oof stay on the table. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I, I love Zarian Academy, but definitely expect big mana decks. You know, Mono Blue is probably going to be the, the one, the big one there. You know, there's some blue green ones floating around. But their Academy is a mess to magic art. Definitely expect to see it. And if you're playing green, make sure you have collector oofs. Unless you're also green. Unless you also play artifacts. Well, just one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just one. This is true. Well, no, yeah, yeah but you, you have effectively many because you've got survivals, you've got Eladomri's Call, you've got your GSC, Green Sun Zenith. So it's. Uh, yeah, but definitely. It's never just one. Yeah, and it's. And even if it is, you know, even if you don't have any tutors, tutor effects. Can't tell you how many times the opponent just goes turn two oof and it's just like oof you know like big oof. Oh right right in, right in the um, what do you call it? it was just winded. Yeah, it's brutal. Right in the diaphragm. And then Zach's favorite. Uh, we do have control. Yes. Uh, the control is a very powerful uh, car uh, archetype in the format. I actually haven't run into much control in the queues. You know, I just think. Uh, a lot of people like to be a little bit more degen, uh, but I mean the control decks are degen. You just have to daemon. Uh, but, you know, even though I haven't seen it much in the queues, it's still a really solid archetypes. Uh, the most control decks, you know, they spend their points on Ancestral Recall, which is five, and then Sanctuary and Snapcaster Mage. I think this is pretty standard, like you might be able to swap some out and, you know, maybe you want to take out the Recall and add, like, Dig Through Time and some other things. Uh, but Recall is just, like, insane as a magic card. Like, it's just disgusting. Um, and the general strategy in these decks is, you know, just one for one your opponent. You can just play all removal and all counters and then find your recall as fast as possible, cast it, and then recast it as many times as possible to make up, you know, to start getting ahead of your opponent. Uh, it happens really fast. You know, you can be like, oh, one for one, one for one for one. Like, sweet, they have two cards in hand and I have two threats. This is going to be great. No, they just like recall, snap, recall. And for four mana, their hand is like eight cards again. And it's just like the game is over, you know, like good. You tried, <laughs> you tried and you fought well, but Ancestral Recall is really messed up. Yeah, I, I, uh, I played some Vintage a little while back for one of the Mana Traders months and uh, I, I played a control deck there and it was, you know, it's not dissimilar from playing uh, a 60 card Highlander deck just because most of the best cards that you're playing are restricted. Yep. So you're playing, oh, with something crazy like... 12 one ofs in, in the deck you've got your one gush you got your one ancestral you got your one uh this you want that and uh, the version i was playing was not even playing um um vampiric tutor or mystical tutor or any of that nonsense that's sort of air 
Um, you do have the option to do that, uh, and it's uh, it, it's uh, better or worse. Like the, each of those is card disadvantage on their own, but then you can lose um, you can lose the tempo that way. You can just end up getting beat down by these powerful linear decks. So it's uh, it's quite the ride. Uh, I hate having to play mental misstep. That's my one point mm. about these formats. I, I yep. really wish that that would just get a ban, um, but I understand why it's, I guess, acceptable. Yeah, I mean, I also hate misstep. Uh, you know, I mean, I play one, and it <laughs> feels pretty good to misstep their turn one play. I've not yet misstep. Of course it does, but then when they misstep your misstep on the turn one play, it's like, okay. And, and then the best part is when you actually get into the format a little bit more, and you're, like, looking at the three pieces of interaction in your hand, and one of them's misstep, and you're like, okay. So they can pyroblast this one, and I can misstep the pyroblast, and then I can do this to the that, and it's like you, you really have to lock these puzzle pieces in your mind um, in a certain order, because some of the counter magic either can or cannot be hit by mental misstep. Um, Flusterstorm is usually quite the um, sort of mirror breaker in those kind of situations. So mm -hmm. it's a uh, it's actually fascinating once you get a handle on these formats. Uh, they they feel like a total crapshoot because you think you're playing all one ofs. But uh, the more you, uh, you you soak yourself in the format for a little while, the more interesting these games become. And, and sometimes they're not. Um, sometimes your opponent just has it all or whatever. But yep, yep. sometimes you get to make very relevant sequencing decisions and you just feel like a genius when you get it right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, definitely the more I've played, you know, I've definitely my win rate's gone way up. I yeah, think, yeah. I, I also think that they're really good opportunity to practice some of your stack-based like interaction thinking mm -hmm. and in spite of the fact that modern is a much less stack based format uh just having those like little insights gives you such an edge in some cases um you know certain matchups are a lot more stack based than you would kind of think them to be things like burn right like good burn players are going to hold their burn spells until you know you've you've committed to something so that they can burn you in response or, or whatever right um, and so similarly, like if you're thinking about these like little corner cases of when you can hold interaction for, uh, you know, you'll get those couple little fractions of points here and there. It, it may not be super big margins, but, um, that was one of the things that I pulled from like vintage or, um, not vintage watching, you know, Zach play vintage, uh, and playing some legacy was just like, oh, you know, I could be a lot more, uh, conscientious about how and when I employ my stack based spells, even in modern, even though there isn't the same level of like back and forth with counter spells. Mm hmm. Yeah. I think that's really well said. So. Uh, Jiggy, what wonderful archetype have you been developing that I assume we can get your sideboard guide and deep thoughts on by subscribing to your Patreon? Oh yeah, well you know I don't have a Patreon and I won't have a sideboard. No, no. I will say the one thing I hate about this format is the freaking sideboarding. Like, it, <laughs> it is so Total hard. And just like everyone yeah. I talk to, I'm just like, do you know how to sideboard? And they're like, nope, I have no idea. Like no one, every... <laughs> The play one... your Karn in your main deck, play 15 one ofs in your sideboard, and go. I mean, I love having Karn in my deck, because it <laughs> gives me six less things to think about when I sideboard. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, like, everyone agrees sideboarding is hard. So for this format, you know, I started, like, you know, I was pretty interested in playing the cards I like, and what cards do I like, because it's build your own cube. I love me some good blue-green Simic Arosa, you know, just, like, inject that right into my veins. Uh... 
you know, especially at Slayer Academy, because I'd never really gotten to explore with that card, but it seemed pretty fun in Cube. Uh, so I started, you know, this is the first list that I, this, like, I drafted, uh, this was like my first draft, you know, like this is, this is before I started testing. Uh, and so I've got 17 lands, uh, which is just, you know, just all the fetches or like all the blue, blue and green fetches, snow-covered islands and forests, academy, a tropical island, tree of tales, sea of the Synod, to help my artifact counts. Uh, for artifacts, I have Chromox, or for like zero CMC, for my free spells, Chromox, Lotus Petal, Mana Crypt, Bobble, Amber, Opal, and oh, two Bobbles, Mishros, and little known Urza's Bobble from hey. AO Ice Age, maybe? Uh, I want to say, um, uh, what's it called? Um, oh no, yeah, it must be Ice Age, because they put Mishros Bobble in Cold Snap. Yeah, oh, nice, nice, at yeah. First, at first I was thinking Antiquities, um... But it, it, I think it no Ice Age makes sense because uh, they they did put it in Cold Snap the 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 Measures bubble so potentially mm, yeah yeah I think that makes sense uh, so yeah. you know it's my zero CMC artifacts and my initial point spread I started with uh, let's see we have Academy is one Mana Crypt is two so that's three um, do do Sensei's Divining Top is a point so that's four. Oko is 5-6, and then Force of Will was 7, so those are my points spread in this first draft. For 1CMC, I have Gitaxian Probe and Misstep, because, you know, we're in blue, and this is those cards are busted as hell. Uh, Brainstorm, Ponder, Preordain, our favorite card, Witching Well. Gilded Goose, Deathrite Shaman, because Deathrite Shaman is a really messed up magic card. Aether Spell Bomb, Chromatic Sphere, Chromatic Star, you know, Top, Springleaf Drum, and Astrolabe. So this was kind of based on, like, the blue-green version of like the Temer shells that Zach and I had had a lot of success with. Uh, and the two drops had JVP Jolriel, you know, em Emperor of Beats, or Empress <laughs> of Beats. Uh, Once Upon a Time, Sylvan Library, Kinnon, uh, Tracios, Triton Hero, you know, good old commander staple. Uh, Simic Signet, Talisman of Curiosity, and a Winter Orb. And then in three, we had Emery, Hellbreacher, Metallic Rebuke, Psy, Trinket Mage, Force of Negation, Tracker, Oko, Uro, and then Urza, Cryptic, and Force of Will. And then, so I took this, this was my initial uh, 61, and then I started testing with it, and, you know, uh, started talking with people. I learned a whole bunch. I got, you know, trashed. I got thrashed a whole bunch. I did some thrashing. There was clearly something here, but it needed a lot, a lot, a lot of refining. Uh, then this is, uh, so I started, you know, kind of refining the list a bit. I was, it was getting a much better direction. And then I ran into someone in the queues uh, who uh, I played. He was on a, they were on a four-color mid-range, just like good stuff pile. And, you know, they're very, they're an, actually an amazing player and having much success with it. And I just totally stomped them with my, I mean, I had a pretty good draw, but also like the list I was developing was like getting pretty good. And so they were like, oh, you know, like, I haven't had a list stop me like that before. Like, can I see it? You know, like, do you want to work on this together? And so they, uh, you know, helped me out. So they took the list and they made a fair amount of changes, like talking with them a little bit. Uh, and so the list that we kind of came up with, and this was the blue-green list that I was actually going to play. Uh, and so this is more of a focus on wheels. And, you know, because the one big issue that we were having is combo decks are pretty messed up. Like, the Grixis, the Thassa's Oracle... Uh, Tainted pack decks are really like that combo is just insane. You know, they're even talking about people are complaining about wanting it banned in historic, which I don't blame because like it's really messed up. Like it's it is messed up, and you know you get to do that in this like that's this Oracle is three points. That's more than Oko. You know, that's more than Mana Crypt. That's as much as like Mock Sapphire. 
not as much as Demonic Tutor. Like the card, it, it's it is nutty, and so you know, just kind of let's go like focus on the wheels. You know, just like what if we hull breacher, narset, and then like time twister, etc. So the blue green list that I had come, this was what I was going to play, is you know, 19 lands. So now we have added ancient tomb, uh, and you know, otherwise the man the man is pretty much the same. We now have ancient tomb. We have Minamo Academy, the fetches seat. Tail, tree of Tales, etc. Uh, the Zero Drops, we kind of got a little bit more spicy. We've got the same ones, but now we've got Lion's Eye Diamonds and also Mox Diamond. You know, just like those free, free, free Zero Seems Artifacts, quite good. And the One Drops are, you know, like, changed a little bit. Added Ancient Stirrings, that was a good call. Uh, crop Rotation, which I've really, really, well, you know, as someone mentioned, like, what about Crop Rotation as a point, you know, to help find Academy? Uh, and it was, you know, it was amazing. Uh, the one issue with crop rotation is that having a crop rotation mental misstep is like such a huge blowout. Oof. I cannot tell you. <laughs> I, I there's this one. Oh, yeah. I got so greedy this one game. They had like, I think they went like turn one. Uh, I like they they went turn one bop, and it was my turn. And you know, like I had a fetch and I had a tomb, and I had you know just like a whole. And my colors were terrible. But I did have the option where I could turn one, play my fetch, grab a colored, you know, grab a green mana, crop rotation for Telerian Academy, and then play some zero CMC artifacts and repeal their one drop, and then like next turn drop Urza, and it's like you know like I can't not go for it, and so turn <laughs> turn one crop like fetch crop rotation and they misstep it, and all, all I've got is a tomb and no more colored mana, and I you know I got punished for my greed, uh, but I would I would I would run that play a billion times, you know. I'm not afraid. <laughs> like you can't can't play around the one ofs. No, you just just go just get in there. Just just uh, listen to your own advice and just jam it. Yeah. So crop rotation was a good ad. We have main deck veil of summer because you know we're mean and cruel like that. Uh, candelabra. No, you just know what the format's about. Yeah. You know, you you play mental misstep. What if your opponent dodges playing one drops? Well, yeah, it, yeah. And then we got a added expedition map, which is you know a really a really good pickup. And then repeal because that's kind of fun. I added Arayo in this version because you know you have so many free artifacts, and also with all the wheel effects that I added, like Arayo into a wheel is really strong. Uh, this you know Kinnan, Winter Orb, Silver Library, Once Upon a Time, uh, three CMC. We have Back to Basics, which is you know really messed up Magic card. If you can main deck it, great. There's so many free wins, especially against like the four color greed piles. Like back to basics is just, and even the two color decks, you know, they'll get pretty greedy. It's just insane. So I definitely got a bunch of free wins off of that. Uh, once again, going more into like the twister route. So we have Emery, Days Undoing, Hull Breacher, Sigh, Time Twister, Windfall, which is pointed out to me that I didn't even realize. Windfall is also another fucked up magic card. Uh, Narset, Tracker, Oko, Uro, and then Urza, and both Karn, Sign of Urza, and the Great Creator. So this is, you know, a much more kind of like all in wheel 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 you know just like empty your hand wheel flipperio just beat their face down uh which i really liked but the one thing the big issue that kind of kept running into is you know as i mentioned those fast aggro decks are just so fast and you know we still we're super weak to collector oof like the combo matchup is you know almost unlosable and the blue decks are great now because of all the you know just heavy value we have uh but you know, just the aggro decks were not so great, and it felt like a lot of times you still had the issue. You're a very high roller deck. You know, just like a lot of the mono blue ramp decks where you can just draw the wrong cards at the wrong time. Uh, so my my teammate, he like he was, or my testing partner, they're like, you know, just like, what if I, like, they started testing splashes. So first they went into white, 
uh, for Teferi, and they love that for Teferi and Swords, and they love that. I tested black for Leobold as another, you know, good synergy, just like, because Leobold is such a fucked up magic card. Like, holy shit. That card is like mm -hmm. the bane of my existence. Uh, and I tried that, and it, it was bad. You know, I just, it, just, it did not feel good. Like, the black was kind of not free, and like, I think the mana might not have been, just a whole, a whole slew of reasons. But every time I tried the black splash, I got crushed. Uh, and then my testing partner went into red, and they said that they were loving it. Uh, and so... Uh, we did a little bit of testing and you know he gave me shipped me his list uh, i tried it out and i do prefer the kind of the style of like the high rolling straight up blue green list which i think i might tinker around with a little bit more but you know i get zach zach was also like not super although zach didn't get to play the most recent version zach played the previous version but zach also wasn't super high on like the high rolling version and you know it was just not quite there i think and so he gave my testing card gave me this version this temer version and i tried it and edges you feel like you always have agency so this is more of a control so i'm calling it temer academy control uh, we have 17 lands uh, so now the points my point list is a little different now so my points are wasteland as one Tularian academy as two renin six as three and then oko four five mana crypt six seven so you know we're being we've got renin six we've got wasteland we've got some good stuff uh, my testing partner actually doesn't play Wasteland. He plays Lutri in the side, which I think is totally fair. Uh, you know, I just, I'm a sucker for Wasteland. Uh, Lutri, Lutri is like pretty spicy and pretty good too, you know, just like, especially with all the mana you have. So the new list, so we have those 17 lands, uh, including Temur Triome. Uh, we have for our free spells, which this is actually really sweet. So now we have pretty similar Chrome Mox, Lion's Eye Diamond, Lotus Petal, Mana Crypt, Mishra's Bauble, Mox Amber, Mox Opal, Urza's Bauble. The land count's too low for Mox Diamond, I think. But I learned about this card, this reserve list staple called Lodestone Bauble. Zach or Brian, have you Artificer, especially Brian, Artificer Extraordinaire, have you heard of the card Lodestone Bauble before? Well... I'm guessing yes, only because uh, there was a point where I just did a search for Bobble, or I mm. have on occasion, <laughs> on occasion done searches for um, zero CMC artifacts. What the hell is this card? That is that's that's so Brian, so Brian to do a Bobble search. <laughs> I, I oh my god, what is this card? I, and I think. I think I one of the things I think I remember about this is um, on Drive to Work with Mark Mark Rosewater. Uh, at some point, they talked about this as being an example of really bad art direction. Uh, I can buy it. So Zach, there's you, nothing. What is this? Do you want to read us a the set this is from? B yeah, remind yeah, everyone yeah. that this is on the reserve list. And yeah, yeah. C what does this card do? Lodestone Bobble is a zero mana artifact from. Alliances. Woo. It has one mana tap, colon. So that's the cost. Then sacrifice lodestone bobble to put up to four target basic land from any player's graveyard on top of their library in any order. That player draws a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. Jiggy, what the hell? <laughs> All right, so this is, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I know. My testing partner found this, and I was like, damn, you're a genius. This is essentially a Mishra's Bauble that costs one to activate. Sure. 
I okay, sure. With it, more steps. It's Mishra's bubble with more steps. It, Got it. Yeah. It also has the upside of being able to completely blank your opponent's draw on the off chance that they have, you know, up to <laughs> four target basic lands in their graveyard. But they, no, but they get a they get an extra card. Okay, so you blank three draw <laughs> steps. Sorry. Yeah, I, I mean it, I just I was reading it and I was like, is this like the worst plow under ever? Yeah, I don't I don't even know. It's very interesting. I mean it's a free artifact and you can cycle it, so you know it's definitely great in this list. It's it's yeah. it's pretty cool, you know. I, it was a great find. Uh so that was a cool I just want to I mention guess. that, like, you know, the cool thing about these these formats, right? Just like Lodestone Bobble, yeah, who would have yeah, thought? Yeah, going deep. Uh, and then so on the ones we have Git Probe and Misstep, Brainstorm Ponder Preordain, because we're DGens like that. Uh, now we're going with a little bit more interaction. We've got Galv Blast and Bolt. Uh, one Pyroblast in the main, because, you know, we're mean and we know what this format's about. Uh, All-Star, new coming All-Star, Abundant Harvest, who actually, there's people in Legacy talking about how good this card has been. And like in mm -hmm. Historic, it's really good. So, you know, I think this is actually going to make a pretty big dent in Modern, which is exciting. It's a, it's a good it, card. It, it might be the best cantrip in Modern in, uh, in once Modern Horizons 2 comes out. Oh yeah, you can bet this is. You can bet I'm gonna be trying to flip a Ryo with Abundant Harvest. That's for sure. <laughs> Am I gonna be winning matches? Nice. No, but at least I'll be flipping a Ryo. Nice. And then we have Ancient Stirrings, Gilded Goose, Traverse, which is amazing. That's to help find Urza Academy or Wasteland, Deathrite Shaman, Expedition Map, Astrolabe. On the twos, we have Days, Dreadhorde Arcanist, because that's a messed up card. Once Upon a Time, Sylvan Library, Renin Six, and Winter Orb. Uh, threes, we have Emery, Hullbreacher, Psy, Windfall, Force Negation, Narset, Wheel of Fortune, Freewheel, Let's Go, Tireless Tracker, Oko, and Uro, and then Urza, Two Karns, and Gush. Uh, so this wow. is, I mean, honestly, this list is amazing. It feel, I feel like I have agency all the time. Uh, the mana is pretty good. It's not perfect. Uh, Ketria Triumph is actually amazing for fixing your mana, and then you can pick it up with Gush, and then you can cycle it and get it back with the Renin Six. It's like, it's pretty cool. The other reason, like, you can, swapping out Wasteland for Lutri is interesting because Lutri, you kind of have to build your deck around Lutri. You can't just put Lutri in your deck. But, like, if you gush return to islands, copy it with Lutri, you know, you're probably going to win that game. Wild. Wild yeah. stuff, dude. So it's, yeah. Lutri's probably a good call. So this is, this is the 76. Uh, you know, I always do 76. At this point, it's too late to do 75. You know, I'm kind of known for this, and... You know, it's not at this point. We're not going to stop. Uh, so it well, is what it is. The point. I mean, I feel like in a Highlander format, it has even less impact than normal, right? Mm -hmm. you know, you're not diluting four ofs. You're diluting one ofs by a very tiny fraction. Yeah, but I mean, then there's the argument though that like it's worse in these formats because you know you want to draw your points more frequently, and so like sure, sure, every sure. extra card, you know, it could have been Slayer can. But you know, I don't care about that. Whatever, I'm gonna do me. Mm -hmm. uh, so this individual is... distribution is even more skewed. It's it's approximately yep. one sixty first one one sixty first worse, right? Yeah, something like you know, which is like less than <laughs> less than like two percent. Yeah. Which I'm okay with, you know. There's enough variance in magic. I don't think it's gonna cost me. So that's my. Uh, so th this is my this is the deck that I'm playing, and I feel really good about it. You know, I've been practicing a lot. I feel like I know how to play this. Let's know how to play against all of the good decks. And I will definitely be keeping everybody updated in this tournament, you know, because I think it happens. It's two rounds. It's interesting. It's two individual Swiss tournaments at once, because I think it's enough player that this is going to be a 10-round tournament. 
uh, but they didn't want you know didn't want to play that over ten weeks. So you're everyone joins two different Swiss rounds and two tournaments play out simultaneously. Then after five rounds, they combine your record and average your breakers. Cool. So it was just a way of you know like playing a little extra fast, but then you know like making the tournament be done in five weeks instead of ten, which I totally appreciate. I'm not gonna name my testing partner. Uh, they asked not to be named only because like they're very serious and take this very seriously and like want to try and gain all the advantage that they can. I definitely respect that. Uh, but you know it, I've had so much fun just brewing this list and especially you know having it be noticed by such a incredible you know just like talented magic player as my testing partner who then just like iterate on it too like we did some discord calls and play testing and like we talked about the choices and just like what's for what and i've i've loved brewing and you know especially collaborative brewing is i think probably even better than just brewing by yourself you know just like being able to just like throw on ideas and especially with someone just so much more knowledgeable especially about eternal formats than i am so this is this has been super fun and wonderful experience for me. And, you know, I will eventually I will shout out my testing partner uh, who has, you know, been super awesome and a lot of fun. It's LSV, isn't it? It's LSV. Just, just blink if it's blink twice if it's Sam Black. Yeah, uh, I yeah. wish. No, I, they're a, they're a, a, an Eternals format specialist. Oh, that's that's cool. Right. Yeah. Well, that's um, I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll uh, be really excited about the uh, the mystery reveal at the yeah. end. And yeah. For people who are listening to our podcast, feel free to tweet at us all the people you think it might be. <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't know what we can do for you if you win, other than give you a shout out live that you were the one who nailed it. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's gets, fair. Everyone gets one entry. Uh, <laughs> no, no age, no age restrictions, since we have no idea what we're gonna what we're gonna do for that. But uh, yeah, and I think that that's a really good point is that this is, I mean, you, you said it was a wonderful format for brewers just because it's so undiscovered. And while there are established powerful things that you can be doing, there's tons and tons of room to discover cards that people don't even think of and um, interactions that people don't think of and entire archetypes that maybe haven't been uh, explored properly. So as you are doing with Urza, like I, I, you know, there's no mention on that entire seven point Highlander site of any Urza list, you know, in particular. Yep. yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you so, can take lessons that you've learned from defunct decks in modern and legacy and what have you. And, uh, and, and help them bloom in a new world that is like uh, bring your own cube deck. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I've really like, it is, you know, from a slightly high variance, like sometimes your opponent is just going to go nuts. Sometimes, you know, you'll have like the, one academy crypt mox opal urza starts you know with like a force negation and like wheel of fortune in your hand like obviously you're gonna win that game which you know like i do i do join that i do enjoy like that you do get to do a little busted stuff here and there uh, and you know mm -hmm. even and i've i've gotten like turn one turn i've played turn one oak when i've lost those matches because like you know opponents they still have like they still have leverage you know like they can still do their thing like all the decks are pretty powerful and all the decks have busted starts so it's not you know even if someone goes nuts it's not even close to both players to the game being over yet so yeah i mean i've, I've loved this format you know like i said collaborative brewing has been so much fun and just getting to exercise the brewing and the tweaking you know like each and tweaking the individual the individual specific cards you know it's been it's been wonderful and i'm very excited for this tournament and i feel like i have a pretty good shot to do well like, i think the deck Hell is yeah. good you know did a fair amount of testing i understand the meta pretty well uh, so i will win it for the serum bit i will do my best to win it for the serum visions and the faithless brewing family well, I was gonna say. I mean, da Damon Nuke Launch Alexander did quite well last time uh, that they had one of these tournaments, and he doesn't ha uh, have a uh, 7-0 run in a modern challenge. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is that, that, that is uh, one of the better competitive results I've ever had had it, heard of anyone having. So you know. If only I could replicate it. 
<laughs> well, maybe you will. Yeah, that'd, that'd be very maybe exciting you will. too. Yeah. All right. Well, we have gone pretty long this week, so uh, yep. I think maybe we should uh, dump the bumps and dumps. But um, you know, maybe everybody can take this opportunity to do their own uh, bumps and dumps uh, at home, or on your run, or drive to work, or wherever you may be listening <laughs> to this podcast. Definitely reflect on your own bumps and dumps. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, if anyone uh, hates the omission, please let us know. And uh, in the future, I'm sure we'll uh, make sure that we have time for it again. Um, I will put in the editing work to make sure that we do. Awesome. Sounds like a plan. Well, yeah, yeah. Have a good one, everybody. Yeah, take care. We will have some good updates in two weeks. And watch out for um, people trying to behead you and fill themselves with your essential lightning life force. There can only be one. Rough. Thanks for listening to episode 18 of the Serum Visions podcast. If you like what we do and want to get in touch with us, you can find us at twitter.com slash serumvisionsmtg, email us at serumvisionspod at gmail.com, or join us on Discord at the link in the episode description of your podcast player or on serumvisions.podbean.com.